0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast, and share it with all your friends but the pre-post podcast as well which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes i
1: can't make this work then i'm gonna have to get a real job right now i'm out hey listen to me this is a real job i'm the
2: one
3: with the job you're the one who lies around the house all day in a pool of your own slobber. Gary Hoffman. He drug a stink in here so bad the livestock wouldn't stay. Shannon Farron. She is washed up. You understand me? She's finished. She's a troublemaker. She's on my list. Gary and Shannon. You can Google it. It's worth a Google. Now for the Three
4: I never sit over here. Gary usually sits over here. I've got uh, the headphone volume up all the way, and I still can't hear. So either I went deaf in three years since I sat here, or uh, there's something wrong with.
5: That's with, wild with the equipment. I, that you uh, don't sit over there normally. I didn't realize that. I would,
4: yeah, Gary usually sits. I here. would.
5: I'd sit there if you prefer. Tomorrow, if, yeah, assuming that this you know, lasts. I'm not
4: really big on on where where to sit. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. as long as there's a chair and a microphone that works. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Gary is away at his baseball fantasy camp. It's where grown men go to live their dream.
0: I should lick myself.
4: Uh, Are we going to play drops of him all week? Because that'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool. They treat you like you're a professional baseball player. You go, and he, he's already posted some pictures of his... Um,
5: of his waiver. They waved him on the first day. No, it's kind of no sad. They, no, they didn't. Oh, no? But no. that's what profes- a real professional would <laughs> be sweating that.
4: Yes, absolutely.
5: But you're saying they're in.
4: He uh, he showed his little cubby in the dugout, I guess you could say. What do you call those? Where you put your jersey and all your crap?
5: Uh, locker. Or- locker. Yeah. Yeah.
4: That, that works. Yeah. And, uh, Sounds it's, more manly than Cubby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's got uh, that the Giants jersey there that oh. says Hoffman on the back. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he's so <laughs> excited great. right now. Mark Thompson is here, though, all week long, and I'm so excited. Thank you for agreeing to this. I'm going to have to send Conway a gift basket or something.
5: I, it's, it's really cool. I, I have to say I'm quite excited to be here. And, uh, yeah, usually I'm on Tuesday nights with Conway, and it's really great. I You know, I listen, and now to be – Part of this, they call it a day part in radio, but to be on during this part of the day, uh, I really love it. So, so
4: I mean, I think we should stop it with the lies, though, right off the bat. Like the mm. whole I listen thing. that's, yeah. that's a, Well, I listen that's a from lie. time to
5: time. Yeah. Uh, I don't listen continuously. Mm-mm. I do have the iHeartRadio app. And if you look at my iHeartRadio listening history, I think you will see you, that I... Uh,
4: you actually so. said in the office this morning the only time you listen is when Neil Saavedra's on.
5: No, I said that when <laughs> I tune in, uh, Neil Saavedra's on. So I just assumed that he was on the show a lot. And I was astounded to learn that he was only on one time a week. But then I realized I'm listening to different shows and I'm True. just, I'm like a normal listener. Yeah. So I go, oh, but that's not Gary and Shannon. You're hearing Neil on. And
4: we pass around Neil like nobody's business <laughs> here. It really is unfair for him. But
5: anyway, it's great to be here.
4: We will have all the biggest news of the day that we are following. Of course, Kamala Harris making big news this morning. I got 19 alerts on my cell phone about this when I woke up. She is running in 2020, of course, former California AG and known now in the Senate for her aggressive questioning tactics. With Trump nominees, Brett Kavanaugh and the like. Also the government shutdown. We will get caught up coming up next, but I cannot let another minute go by without talking about the gift that the NFL Gods bestowed upon us yesterday.
1: Yeah.
5: Holy
4: hell, those games were great.
5: Two overtime games.
4: Championship Sunday does not get better than than yesterday.
5: No, it doesn't, Shannon.
4: And Tony Romo.
5: He is good, huh? He
4: is he is Excellent. You know, I I already forgot of Tony Romo as a quarterback. The the, the excitement and the fandom that he brings. Furthermore, he's calling all the plays. He's like Edelman over the center, Gronk on the outside, and bam. bam. He's like Nostradamus.
5: Well, the other thing is that he does something with analysis that you don't hear a lot of, and that is when you're looking at the replay, he breaks it down like this is – he will look at uh, at golf and go that's golf saying the plays off or whatever in this case it was uh he, uh was he doing that game i forget what was he doing the second game right he did yeah. the rams game yeah he was saying that uh, golf saying now i'm calling the play whatever and he was the the point being he was analyzing as opposed to just going wow, this is a a big stop. I mean, that was a big third down stop. Hey, we all know it was a big third down stop. Those those kinds of analyses related to hey, this is a critical point in the game. They really need this third and seven. Yeah, right. no kidding. We all know that. That's not analysis. It's uh, they've been they've been throwing a lot of, of short out patterns. I wouldn't be surprised to see him pump the short out pattern and try to hit him deep. That's a little bit more analysis than right. we typically get.
4: Yes. And I have this dream uh, that it's so funny <laughs> having you here. I don't, I feel like I'm not on the radio. Like I'm just, we're just having like lunch or something. Um, I have this dream of doing a show or, or having a, a channel where it's real people doing the play by play and the color and it's fans and you can say whatever you want. And you're not these like polished broadcasters, but you're just a fan up there in that booth. Because I, I love it. I love hearing that, and that's totally what he brings, I think.
5: There's actually an app or there maybe it's a startup that's related to this. I was just having this conversation the other day. This is, that you've just suggested is something that's actually being done. They're trying to get this service together where you would call your game alongside – you know, whomever. I mean, in other words, you wouldn't be in a broadcast booth, but you'd be in a booth like a broadcast booth and you'd pay for that experience. Um, I saw that just the other day. I was talking about it. But anyway, so you're not the first person to think of that, like how much fun it would be to be able to call the game because we all have different experiences as we, you know, as we call it. But you're right. Romo is, he is, um, he's terrific in his his ability to forecast almost what's going to happen.
4: Yeah, I think Drew Brees was forecasting a lot of what was going to happen to him. He looked so sad during that whole game on the sidelines. Like, he knew that that, that, that it wasn't going to happen for them. Long before the game was done, he just had that look on his face.
5: Well, I don't know about, you know, you 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 move along those sidelines and see people and their looks. You know, I don't really know how to read those looks. You know, from time to time, they'll have a cutaway. You get a chance to look at them anytime you want. A
4: lot of crying kickers, Mark. But a lot I w- of kickers I'll and bet. tears last year. I'll
5: bet. Boy, that's a, oh. It's hard a, to watch. Yeah. Hard to watch. But I will say... uh this the saints because i know there's a lot of uh, talk about how there was a blown call and there should have been that pass interference call and yes. and, and, and 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 so it probably is yeah
4: they need to have real time uh checks on on calls or non calls with all the technology we have and ability to challenge things why don't we get another look at a, at a call or a non-call. Well,
5: and there's certain things that you can challenge and certain things that you can review and certain things you cannot. And pass interference is one of the things that you cannot, although that may change. But what I was going to say on the game is, hey, look, New Orleans was up. They had the game. It was 13 nothing. They're playing at home. And I'm sorry. I get it. That was a pivotal play. But that should not have been a pivotal play. They came down the field and only got two field goals at the start of the game. That, to me, was a huge indicator that the Rams had a chance. It's
4: never about just one call or one kick or one play, one dropped Alshon Jeffrey pass. It's never just about one of those things. Um, But that said, it was under two minutes on the clock. They get that first down, and they run out the clock, and they go to the Super Bowl. But listen, I do not hate Tom Brady, and I don't hate the Patriots. I don't hate things that are good. And seeing Tom Brady's excitement when he won that game, sending his team back to the Super Bowl five out of the past eight years or whatever it is, was pure joy, unadulterated joy. And the fact that he still feels that kind of joy in that machine, uh, you, you can't fault him for that.
5: Well, I, first of all, root for anybody who's 41 years old and playing in the NFL. To me, that's just the best. I mean, if you were born in 1977 and you're quarterbacking a championship team, Uh, You're I'm rooting for you. Yes. (laughs) And I also root for Philip Rivers because he's older. You know, what I mean, I, I, I like older guys. But but your points well taken. I mean, the kind of jubilance that they feel. I mean, even as they pursue this kind of patriots, as you say, machine. Yeah. I mean, you have to appreciate that.
4: All right, coming up next, we have well your chance at $1,000, so that's exciting. And where are we on this government shutdown? The president floats a proposal over the weekend. The word amnesty floating around as well and Coulter loses her mind. We'll get you caught up when we return. Gary, I want to
5: mention one thing. Yes, I know you got to go to break, it. but one thing before we leave the Rams completely. There's already a change.org petition to for a rematch because they feel the game this is of course launched by saints fans yes. they felt the game was so ruined by the refs miscall. call there's a change.org petition and they've already got a quarter of a million signatures yeah, i mean
4: no doubt about it the rams trip to the super bowl has an asterisk next to it
5: yeah anyway all right
1: More later on that.
4: all right gary and shannon mark thompson in for hoffman today you know i'll Gary and Shannon, with your chance right now $1,000.
3: Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword TALK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's TALK to 200-200.
4: And remember, if you win, you're going to get a phone call. It is not going to be a number you recognize. And if you don't answer, they move on. You'll get another chance to win next hour, 20 minutes after the hour. Your chance to win $1,000 once an hour, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 6.20 p.m. right here on KFI. Well, it looks like the Democrats are using MLK Jr. Day to run in 2020. (laughs) Half dozen Democratic presidential prospects fanned out today, uh, getting their voices heard on this holiday. Bernie Sanders and Cory Booker. Are in South Carolina in Washington, you've got Michael Bloomberg speaking at a King event with Joe Biden. And then of course the news that Kamala Harris is is, is in the race for twenty twenty.
5: Yes, and because she's in the race, we should note the way to say her name apparently, because I'd want I sometimes say I go
4: back and forth. Yeah, it's me too. I'm a flip flopper. No,
5: totally, me too. So apparently it's comma like a comma. Kamala. So it's Kamala. All right, Harris. I'm going to write that down. I know, and I, I need to remember it as well. Um, but it just uh, since she's declared, I feel we right. should at we least should, we should get her name set right. Set the record straight. Thank on you, it. Mark. Yeah,
4: I love it when you come in and class up this joint.
5: <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't know about that, but all right.
4: Well, yesterday morning, the president went to his favorite platform, which is Twitter, to lash out at Nancy Pelosi, his latest ring partner, shall we say, and Democrats as well for rejecting his proposal. He had offered some temporary protections to the DACA kids in exchange for the, the $5.7 billion he wants in border security funding. Now, stop me if I'm wrong, but these were protections that he rolled back when he took office, right? Like, these right. were protections that were in place for the DACA kids. He takes office, he, sa- he strips them of that, and now he's offering it as a compromise.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got to offer something, and he doesn't want to offer amnesty, which is what a lot of— the right, and particularly the right as sort of uh, articulated on Fox News, were claiming that he might do, like Mr. President, don't offer amnesty. And that's why he was so clear about the fact that he was not offering that. But you're right. He's just reinstating that which he lifted.
4: It was during an address on Saturday in the diplomatic room of the White House, how apropos, that he presented what he called this compromise bill aimed at Yes, reopening the government, securing the border wall funding, providing legal protections for some DACA kids. Now, details of this proposal were leaked to the press ahead of the president's announcement. And so Democrats stepped quickly to those details and said, absolutely not. It's a non-starter." So here he comes to the table looking like a, a rational compromiser. And the Democrats don't even don't even wait to see what the details are before they shut it down.
5: Well, they're saying the Democrats' position, obviously, is, hey, look, we've given you a proposal. you got both bodies here of Congress, Senate and House, agreeing to this uh, $1.5 billion deal on immigration and for border security. And there's even some uh, physical border money set aside in all of that. This proposal passed. So this number you came up with, this uh, north of $5 billion number, is just something that you've come up with. There's not even, there are not even any specifics attached to it. In fact, as the president spoke this weekend, I thought one of the good things that he tried to do, or that the administration was trying to do, was lay out some specifics for that $5 billion. It's a lot of money. And the idea that you can just float that big number out there without sort of any specifics as to how the money will be spent seemed like a flawed plan. But that's why the... The Democrats can so quickly step to it because they're going, look, we passed this bill already. We don't know why, why we're talking about this. Why did you close the government?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it would be nice to see that uh, itemized sheet uh, of how it breaks down because it's just make-believe money.
5: There isn't, there isn't an itemized sheet. And, of course, the number as you look at the wall money as you're looking, looking forward is much higher than $5 billion. In other words, the $5 billion is sort of seed money. To actually build the wall or even just the fencing or however, or, and, and some of it might just be technology associated with fencing, uh, it's, it's some estimates are 30 to $50 billion. Wow. So this is just a down payment on that plan. In any case, it, it really is a non-starter because, as I say, as I say uh, it, it can't pass either body of, of Congress.
4: Well, using the A word was probably not a great call for the president. Uh, Ann Coulter lost her mind saying Trump proposes amnesty. We voted for Trump and got Jeb. Heritage Foundation guys got together and said, now we like border security, but including any sort of amnesty in this proposal is not the way
5: to do it. And that's why the president was so quick to say, no, 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 I didn't. Amnesty is not on the table. I just meant an extension of DACA. Yes, without amnesty.
4: Jared Kushner said the president is tired of posturing from both sides. He's had it with the conservative Republicans and he's had it with Pelosi and the Dems and he's trying to just get something done here. I mean, this is a deal maker. This is somebody who at the end of the day wants to wants to craft the deal, create the deal and get the deal signed off on.
5: Well, that's the marketing uh, story. I don't know if it's really happening. Yeah. I mean, everybody's a deal maker on Capitol Hill. Everybody—that's how they. That's how legislation is crafted. Very true. I mean, it's not as though, oh my God, thank God, a, a deal has finally come to Washington.
4: The shutdown is taking a deeper effect on TSA than we saw in in weeks before the last. It looks like TSA experienced a national rate of ten percent of unscheduled absences compared to a three point one percent rate one year ago.
5: They have half a million employees, TSA.
4: Now, TSA screeners, nobody likes them. I think John said last week like, "Oh, who cares about the uh, this is my John voice. Who cares about the IRS or the TSA screeners?" You know, I care about the TSA screeners. You know, I I would like them to be at work. I would like people's crap to get checked for bombs.
5: Right. I Call mean- me
4: crazy. But I would like them to be reporting for duty.
5: <laughs> Even if you don't care about them, which right. I guess there are some who don't. It's like, I mean, yeah, I don't...
4: they're a pain in the butt, yeah, right? but
5: I get it. That's their job to be a pain in the butt. And I get it that some of them are ruder than others. Some of them are patronizing, whatever. Right. But the point is they're doing an important job. Just like all jobs, there are people who are more gracious with it than others. But the truth is that it's a... Especially when you're talking about security and border security, this is an odd other part of our national security yes. that is now being let down by this government shutdown.
4: I didn't even think of that point. Excellent point. Well, we're worried about the border. We're, we're having holes, big, huge holes, like, like the holes in the Chargers offensive line in New England uh, <laughs> at our airports. And that is not okay. Um, they, it's, it's like the DMV, right? I, you hate the DMV. You don't like the people in there. They move at a glacial pace, but you need them. You need them. So people like Prince Philip aren't driving
5: So people like, <laughs> well, I was just at the DMV, uh, 10 days ago. And I have to say, and I had to wait. Like I didn't have an appointment because I couldn't get an appointment for this. I just needed my li- I, My license was lost and blah, 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 blah. But I just wanted to explain. Normally i get an appointment. Uh, you couldn't get an appointment for like two months. And I've got to say, once you get to the actual window, the person's moving as quickly as they can. You know what I mean? It's just that they're overrun, they're understaffed in general. I also understand what you're saying, which is there's that civil service walk that they do. Like, they're not, it's not a brisk walk. Well, they don't get
4: paid for more people they process yeah. it's not by the person which it sh- maybe well, should maybe be should incentive be. based yes,
5: you're right that's a little bonus that they we should are going to
4: enact change on this program today mark but we're going to change the dmv and we're going to get uh we're going to get past interference to be reviewed
5: i will remind everyone that this uh, shutdown shannon does involve 15 cabinet level departments that are not being funded like agriculture homeland security Well, those those departments
4: weren't being staffed anyway. Yeah,
5: that's true. I mean, this is part of, you know, that's the other side of this, that there's a part of, um, well, there's a part of right. I'm talking about the extreme right that feels that government should be reduced any way you have to do it. So even if you have to defund it. But anyway, things like the National Zoo and National Parks and NASA is being told, everyone at NASA is being told to stay home virtually. So it does have, an effect, a ripple effect beyond just the people who aren't getting paychecks. Uh, These agencies are critical. So it's great to get the government back on track.
4: Absolutely. Nothing's getting done. Speaking of getting things done, contract negotiations have resumed at City Hall. We're going to check in with Andrew Mullenbeck coming up on the L.A. Teachers' strike. Get an update on that for you next hour. Coming up next... Is there a serial killer gang that operates on the dark web that is murdering young men across the country? There are a number of investigators who believe that is the case, but law enforcement just doesn't seem to be listening. We'll break it down when we come back. Gary and Shannon, Mark Thompson in for Hoff today.
1: And even when your hope is gone, move along, move along just to make it through.
4: Gary and Shannon, Gary is out this week at Fantasy Baseball Camp. He'll be checking in with us sometime in the next hour, also coming up in about an hour. Did you see that viral video of the UCLA gymnast? Sure you did. We all saw it. Incredible routine to Michael Jackson. She's got quite the backstory. A lot of uh, obstacles that she has had to overcome, and we'll talk about that coming up in about an hour. Kamala Harris jumping into the Democratic presidential race, known for her harsh questioning ever since she arrived on Capitol Hill there in the Senate. And we know now who is going to be in the Super Bowl, Los Angeles Rams and the New England Patriots. Showdown I read between the NFL's past and future.
5: The young upstarts of the L.A. Rams, <sighs> the future of the NFL and the, the veterans.
4: Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? It's tried and true veterans. 2 weeks of storyline crap. Oh my god. Like we like we don't know everything about the New England Patriots?
5: They do their best with that, but it is just too long. It's like the US elections. It just goes on too long. It does.
4: It does. It's just it's just stuffed down your throat. All right. Here we go. There was an article in the Daily Beast uh, about what could be a serial killer gang murdering young men across the country. The victims are all very similar. Uh, Smart, athletic, popular, college-aged white men who were out drinking and never came home. There are a number of former police detectives, investigators, types who have a theory. They have suspects and they say they have evidence, but what they don't have is the support of any law enforcement or medical examiners who have ruled that these deaths were accidental drownings or they just left them simply undetermined. Instead of ruling them a a homicide, a suicide, or an accident, they just leave that portion blank. Now, how infuriating if you're the parent of one of these kids and, uh, and they never fill in that box to tell you what it was that happened to your son.
5: Yeah, no. They find these bodies, and they find them again in the in the river. They find them in, in, all these accidental drownings in situations that don't quite make sense from the standpoint of a narrative that would lead to an accidental drowning. It's weird that they just keep categorizing them as accidental drownings. In other words, they don't really fit that description. Yet they keep ending up in that category, and so finally. As these cases began to be opened up, there seemed to be a linkage. But as Shannon says, this story was orphaned by the FBI and other major agencies that had the the budget and the personnel to follow up on it.
4: They're called the smiley face murders because there's a bunch of graffiti that turns up on like the first building uh, next to whatever body of water the bodies are dumped in. And it's a smiley face graffiti. Uh, they first kind of surfaced these murders or the collection of them in April 2008 when these three former investigators held a news conference in New York City about these deaths. Now, back then, there were 40 cases across 29 cities and nine states that these three guys saw all were connected. They even published a textbook analyzing the cases. And they think that this is a group of people on the dark web And that each city has its own like cell, like a terrorist cell, but this is like a serial killer cell. A criminal justice professor is one of the men who who believes that these are all connected. And he's also a gang expert, worked in Minnesota. He says there might be 12 in a particular cell, 12 people in one of these cells, and they go out one night and five of them do a murder. And the next time it's a different five. And that's how they're able to not get caught oxygen has put out a a series it started over the weekend it's a six episode series and it starts with the story of dakota james dakota james in december of 2016 calls his friend shelly in a panic he seems disoriented he's walking around downtown pittsburgh doesn't really know where he is and he's crying on the phone to her. And he says, I don't, I don't know where I'm at. I am. I'm so cold. Please help me. I'm lost. So his friend's like, Oh my God, I gotta find you. So she doesn't know if he's been mugged, if he got beat up in a car accident. She was just scared. She said, Where are you? I'm coming. He didn't really know where he was, but she was able to use the cell phone uh location services to find him. And so she gets there and He gets in the car. He wasn't slurring his words. He wasn't staggering or anything, but he was very emotional and crying. And she says, do you need to get to the hospital? What's the deal? And he says no, and he just makes light of it. And he says that the last thing he remembered was going out for his his Christmas party with some friends and coworkers. And then suddenly he's like wandering in an alley and he doesn't know where he is. This is not somebody who was going to be on the streets taking drugs and wandering around. This isn't the kind of life that this guy led. She would have forgotten about it, by the way. Um, she would have just said, "Oh, maybe it was an, an, a night that he that he drank too much and he doesn't want to l- live through the details of it." But then Dakota turns up dead five weeks later.
5: Yeah, and they find his body, I guess, with, the, with GHB in it. Didn't, he have, didn't his body have that? It's a, yes. It's like a, isn't GHB like a date rape kind yes. of drug? You're a man, Mark. Yeah. Would you
4: ever take GHB just for fun? Like, hey, let's drug myself It's <laughs> so no, have a wild night.
5: No, I would not. No. You're right. It's, not, it, I mean, it's, it's
4: usually only used for nefarious purposes, right?
5: I mean, I, I don't know. I guess. I mean, you certainly associate it with being, you know, with, with knocking somebody out. Right. So it was found in his body when they when they recovered his body, which, again, was recovered in this river.
4: His death was ruled an accidental drowning. Again, like like all of these. And now this team of retired detectives and and gang experts believes that Dakota was one of the victims of this serial killer underground dark web group. His parents, by the way are trying to change the narrative as well. Because like I said, Dakota James wasn't one of those kids who would just be wandering around and end up going to a river to take a leak and falling in drunkenly. That's just not who this person was. And why is the FBI completely ignoring all of this?
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it happens in a big city. This is the Ohio River we're talking about in downtown Pittsburgh. And there are about 70 deaths with similar graffiti, the graffiti that Shannon was mentioning. And uh, 30 of those people had that GHB in their system, also according to autopsy reports. So you end up with uh, these situations that are quite similar. So, again, yeah, why not get some kind of other buff law enforcement agency involved in this?
4: All right, we'll tell you what the FBI has to say when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFIAM 640 Mark Thompson in for Gary today. No, no. Gary and Shannon, Mark Thompson in today for Gary. He's gone all week. Mark has been kind enough to join us.
5: My pleasure.
4: Bernie Sanders is attacking the president today, calling him a racist, saying he's purposefully trying to divide us up by the color of our skin, by our gender, by the country we came from, by our religion. About a dozen Democratic presidential prospects are speaking today on this Martin Luther King Jr. holiday as they get ready for a showdown in 2020. Day 31 of the partial government shutdown as well. No signs of progress. Uh, Democrats dismissed a plan over the weekend that the president described as a compromise. Mitch McConnell was going to put the plan to senators this week, but Democrats say don't even start. Well, we are talking about what could be a serial killer gang operating across several states and using the dark web to coordinate these murders of smart, athletic, popular, college-age white guys. Dakota James is one of the deaths that these retired detectives believe could be attributed to this sick, dark web gang. Kevin Gannon is one of... The retired detectives from New York City, by the way, he has devoted his life to solving these cases along with these other guys. And he says Dakota was clearly murdered. Asked about evidence to support that claim, he says, well, his body wasn't decomposed enough to have been in the water for 40 days, first of all. So he went missing and then the body's found 40 days later and there's just no way that he went to the, to the river to pee or whatever, got drunk and fell in and stayed there for 40 days. He says his body was undamaged despite the fact that it traveled 10 miles down the river underneath a concrete and steel dam to where it was found. Somebody used his PayPal, PayPal account two days after he vanished. There were ligature marks around his neck indicating he was strangled. And there were 11 of those smiley face symbols spray painted on the Roberto Clemente bridge, the closest bridge to where he was found. The FBI says, we've looked at this. We hear you. We sat down. We looked at these deaths back in 2008 and concluded that the vast majority did appear to be accidental drownings. White, well-to-do kids getting drunk and falling in bodies of water. The Center for Homicide Research looked at 40 of the cases, concluded the same. But these three retired detectives say there's no freaking way there could be this many accidental drownings by the same type of kid, the same type of graffiti, the same type of drugs found in the system.
5: Yeah, it does seem like a weird constellation of events. You have to put that – that those dots together. You've got to connect them. and, it, and it, But it is – Remarkable that they were unable to get law enforcement at that point to to swing in and and really take it seriously.
4: This Oxygen series, a six-episode series, starts talking about Dakota James, right? This 23-year-old grad grad student from Dufresne University working full-time, getting his MBA. Again, like his mom and dad say, Pat and Jeff, not the kind of guy that would be engaging in this uh, irresponsible behavior, it's apparently so difficult to watch the interviews with Pam and Jeff talking them them talking about their still very fresh grief over losing their son two years ago, reliving his death over and over again.
5: They weren't allowed to see the body, Shannon. when they first uh, reported they discovered his body, they bring them down. Imagine th- this is your son and they didn't let let him let them examine the body except I think they let him look at their, his ankle only.
4: Because I guess he had a distinguishing tattoo right. on his ankle. That's that's odd to me that you wouldn't be able to look at the body. Especially if it wasn't like one of those things where they want to shield the parents from the horrific shape of the body. If the detectives got to look at the autopsy photos and they said that doesn't look like he's been in the water for 40 days, what would be the reasoning for that? Well, they know.
5: usually warn the family. They say, hey, listen, this yeah. is not going to be look a lot like your son because of the conditions we found your son in. But And then they let them...
4: I think one of the hardest things to believing into what these guys are selling, these retired detectives, is just wrapping your head around the thought of what they're peddling, that there is this underground dark web network of killers going after these young white men and drugging them and maybe keeping them, you know, uh, uh, bound or something with the ligatures on the neck. I don't know. It's hard to imagine that there's that kind of. Of terrible people out there, we know that there are, but that the dark web en- enables them to find each other. I mean, these detectives say that this this cell, and again, it, they think that there's cells in many different cities across the country that they're constantly recruiting, that the, the, that they're targeting the best of the best kids, uh, the best students, the best athletes, the kids that come from the best families, and that they are 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 recruiting others to join them in this. Serial killing secret plot. It's hard to, it sounds like a, a bad
5: made for TV movie. It does, although, again, it's supported by all this evidence, the graffiti that's found at the scene of these different drownings, and it's sort of viewed, and this is again what's explained by these detectives, as an initiation or some kind of gang related activity that leads to these things. So that's what makes them think that this is an organized plan, and all of these cells exist in these different cities.
4: The detectives, by the way, are going through all of their money. Um, one of the the retired detectives, guy by the name of uh, Gannon, he mortgaged his home. He's maxed out his credit cards to solve these cases.
5: That sounds like a movie, he, right? He
4: went through cancer uh, where he had to stop for a bit and has returned to the cases. We should get these guys
5: on. Yeah, so one of this guy Gannon. It's been 22 years. He he promised the mother of one of these victims that he wouldn't stop until he found out who killed her son. I mean, that's right out of a narrative you'd find in a film.
4: Well, and there was a little bit of success because there was one, there was one report that was changed on one of these guys. Uh, Chris Jenkins was his name. 21 year old University of Minnesota student vanished after leaving a bar in November 2002. Four months later, he's found floating in the Mississippi River on his back. His arms crossed across across, across his chest like like they were placed there. And they, they said it was an accidental drowning. Uh, four years later, it took them four years to come to that conclusion. And then finally agreed to change it to homicide when this team started digging around.
5: Yeah, the power of television really may shine a light on this to the point that they take another look at it, and then this story that Shannon just described with this dark web behind it actually might get some daylight with law enforcement.
4: Absolutely. Look what happened with R. Kelly yes. in the Lifetime show, and suddenly he's uh, under investigation. So, All right, coming up next, Kamala Harris is in for 2020. We will unveil her new ad and tell you what it means for the very crowded, what's become a very crowded Democratic field in 2020. Hopefully they won't eat themselves the way they did in 1980. Gary and Shannon. Mark Thompson is in for Gary today.
3: Gary and Shannon.
4: We'll be checking in at the bottom of the hour with Hoffman. He is in Arizona at baseball camp. Mark Thompson, kind enough to join me this week.
5: Yes, I don't really get near baseball camps, but I'm excited to hear. I, <laughs> I know more guys who are doing this. so I'm actually very excited to hear about his experience.
4: I know. I, I, I rarely hear him excited. The tone of his voice rarely reaches an excited level. <laughs> but when he was talking about going to this, he was like a little kid. So it'll be fun to hear. It is time, by the way, for another gas news and brews market on your calendar. Market one, Friday, February 1st, 10 to 2. We will be at Broxton Brewery and Public House in Westwood. Come on down, grab a beer, some lunch, enjoy our pre big game party. Friday, February 1st, 10 to 2, Broxton Brewery and Public House on Westwood Boulevard in uh, West LA. There, but there's, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, hell no, parking, West LA. There's a massive parking structure right there. Yeah. So don't worry about that.
5: I go down to that area a lot, and I may find myself part of that big mess that is your show oh my gosh
4: day. i would love to do that we haven't had cocktails in years remember we used to go out yes uh, i like to that uh, place uh what was that place called
5: which one uh, ciao which, christina oh my god we would go it's right down the street from where we are in burbank and i loved it they made a great martini and yes. after about uh two of them right. I just felt like the most powerful man on earth you
4: were you yep. absolutely were <laughs> i saw it i witnessed it all uh, OK, so Kamala Harris is decided to make a run for president in 2020. And it really is interesting to dig into her background. If you focused at all about San Francisco politics, you and I both had lived there. Yeah. So it is very tough to do well politically in San Francisco. You do have to have your claws out. And when you look at people who have risen from, from those fights, you, you see Nancy Pelosi, you see Diane Feinstein, Gavin Newsom all cut their teeth there in that San Francisco political landscape. Here is Kamala Harris's ad that she unveiled today to make the announcement. Truth, justice, decency, equality, freedom, democracy. These aren't just words. They're the values we as Americans cherish, and they're all on the line now. The future of our country depends on you and millions of others lifting our voices to fight for our American values. That's why I'm running for president of the United States. I'm running to lift those voices, to bring our voices together. So please join me in Oakland on Sunday, January 27th and go to KamalaHarris.org to join our campaign. Let's
6: do this together. Let's claim our future for ourselves, for our children, and for our country. I'll see you in Oakland.
4: That's kind of a uh, distracting beat there in the back.
5: Yeah, I guess when we are listening to it, maybe you're supposed to watch it and listen, but I will say that I don't know that those words, I understand that those are powerful words, uh, freedom, rights, all of these things. It was a word
4: sa- a salad.
5: Values, yeah, you throw a lot of it's words up carrots, against the wall. So garbanzo sticks. beans. Yeah, I feel as though... Uh, these are all, don't get me wrong, very good things to represent. I don't know that when the rubber meets the road and you actually need to run for public office and for the presidency, the highest office in the land, that those words are going to be sufficient. You're going to need a message that resonates with the public. You can say what you want about Trump. And certainly, you know, we could go on and on. But he talks plainly. His messaging is so clear and Uh, I mean, it's wrong, the demonization, perhaps, of of certain groups, but the fact is, he decided on a certain course, and it worked. Uh, I do think that Kamala Harris is going to have to come up with a course as well. Now, look, one of the things that's, I think, a great strength of hers is that she's a plain speaker. She, I think politicians get into this blow-dried world where everything like Hillary Clinton was dry-cleaned before she said it. And so... Even in her toughest moments on the debate stage, she, I felt, had to pull back. Now, part of that is being a woman, I think, and feeling as though you don't want to come across shrill. There are a lot of pressures associated with being a female candidate that, that don't fall, right? I mean, really, it's true. They don't fall on a man. Well, listen, so, but, but I think Kamala Harris, again, as a former uh, prosecutor and with a background uh, sort of as, a, as someone who is... Well, as I think her prosecutorial background really speaks to it. She's a plain speaker, and she's not afraid to go after people and after ideas.
4: She is going to have a man problem, I think. Okay, first of all, I've got to admit what happened in the office when I was watching that ad, and I told you this as I was watching it. My first thoughts were, as I'm watching this one-minute ad of um, Kamala Harris's, gosh, I don't like that blazer. It's too boxy, but damn, is she pretty. And I'm thinking, wow, Shannon. Way to go! Like, way, way to be a woman for a woman. You know, I mean, nothing about her politics, nothing about who she is or her record, or do I agree or not agree? I, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the things that don't really matter just because she's a woman. It, like it, And that's me.
5: Well, that's America. I mean, you know? all of us, we, we all focus on superficial things.
4: Here's where I think she's going to have a problem in this Me Too 2019 era. If you know anything about Kamala Harris and how she got her start in San Francisco and California, you know it, it was when she was in bed with Willie Brown. Willie Brown is a kingmaker in the city. And he makes and breaks careers. And when she was in her 20s and he was in his 50s, they date, dated, and he, I think, put her on the board of the, uh, what was it, put her on the State Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board and on the California Medical Assistance Commission. These are part-time posts, but they they raise your profile politically. She was getting an extra hundred grand due to those posts in addition to her work in the DA's office. But I don't know if, if that is going to be something... That is going to be a problem for her in this campaign.
5: There's a purity test for all of these candidates, particularly on the Democratic side of the ball. It seems the Democrats are less likely to overlook these sorts of transgressions. And so when you look at Democratic candidates, you can dirty up any of them. And by the way, Republicans, too, you can dirty up. Look how they dirtied up Jeb Bush. I mean, Donald Trump just eviscerated Jeb Bush. And so Poor Jeb Bush, I mean, well, Jeb Bush was the odds on favorite to win the Republican nomination. He had a one hundred million dollars at that point going into those debates. And he was chopped up like Benny on a steak on that stage. Jeb had a
4: Jeb problem. You know, it was like. uh it was almost like I mentioned 1980 with the with the Democrats with Carter and and Ted Kennedy coming and kind of ruining ruining the coming out parade at the convention and Ted Kennedy had all of the the star power and and the sparkle and it, it left the Democrats vulnerable for an ex entertainer who's super sparkly and Reagan to come in and beat them because they ate each other.
5: Sure, and, um, that, and that you're saying or at least you're hinting maybe may be the case, again, you're saying, with so many candidates entering the race this this yeah, season? I mean,
4: the New York Times did uh, the math this morning. We've got eight people who are for sure running now on the Democratic side, and then an additional 20 or so that are likely to run. uh that's going to be a problem in terms of messaging. What is the message going to be? Because that was the problem in 1980 with with a more centrist uh, president and then Ted Kennedy, who wanted to move everybody to the left. And the message got kind of cloudy. Is this country today ready for somebody as progressive as Kamala Harris and to take that message in? Or are you going to do better with a Biden more more center argument?
5: Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, there are many on the progressive side of the ball who would say Kamala Harris isn't even that progressive to begin with. But you're right. Relative to Joe Biden, she's, I suppose, radically progressive. I mean, Joe Biden is an institutional Democrat. If you can stand on a stage and give an award to George Bush, the guy who began the Iraq War and, you know... Began the the black op program and all of this sort of thing. If you can give him a, an award as Joe Biden, then you certainly don't represent a whole arm of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Some would say. So I i think you draw a really good line, which is the Democrats are going to have to make a decision. They're going to have to des- decide: Are we going with an institutional Democrat of the sort I just described in Joe Biden, or are we going to go with a more progressive, maybe not classic progressive, but more progressive, Kamala Harris? A, And you can dirty up both of them. If you want to dirty up Kamala Harris, you do it the way you described, with her rolling around in San Francisco politics in what might have been an unseemly fashion. With Joe Biden, you can dirty him up by saying, look at all the lobby money he's taken through the years. And look how he doesn't really represent the Democrats per se. He represents institutional politics. So I think all the candidates, I mean literally all of them, you could dirty up in one way or another. We're
4: all terrible people is the (laughs) takeaway. We've all got something. All right, uh, coming up next, we'll get an update from Andrew Mullenbeck about the Strike More Swamp Watch by the way coming up at 12:30 when we dive into all things Washington. Gary and Shannon, KFIAM 640. Mark Thompson in for Gary today. We don't feel
1: like outsiders out are the
4: You know, if if we put our minds to it, I bet we could today list every single storyline that is going to be used to beat us over the heads for the next two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. I'm I'm going to make a real effort to uncover all the storylines that you will hear.
5: At least the Rams are one of the storylines. At least there's an L.A. team that will be one of the storylines that will be beat to death. The
4: youngest
5: coach ever
4: to go to a super bowl sean mcveigh the method behind his madness his photographic memory football memory
5: that is pretty cool to see it's like a parlor trick when he when he turns that photographic memory on man
4: Uh, would have been a holiday for federal employees but it is now day 31 of that partial government shutdown no signs of progress democrats dismissed a plan that trump floated over the weekend as a compromise maybe Helping out the DACA kids in exchange for that $5.7 billion in border spending. But the Democrats will not be listening to any of the details of that. But we will be giving you a chance at $1,000.
3: Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword BANK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's BANK to 200-200. Remember,
4: if you win, you will get a phone call. you got to answer that phone, even if it's from a number you don't recognize. You get another chance to win next hour, 20 minutes after the hour, and a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, Monday through Friday, right here, 5 a.m. to 6.20 on KFI. The teacher's strike looks like... Both sides back at the negotiating table today at City Hall. Andrew Mullenbeck has been covering this for us from the go. And what happened over the weekend, Andrew?
7: A lot of late-night talks. They went uh, after midnight one night. So today they are meeting again. Uh, This is the fifth day in a row. Remember, when the strike started, they weren't actually talking to each other. Then Thursday of last week, they started at it once more. So they've been going since Thursday and even today. Today is a school holiday in the L.A. school district, but the negotiating teams are meeting again at City Hall, and they've put in quite a few hours over the weekend. Uh, They've been starting around 10 or 11 in the morning and going past 9 p.m. And again, one night uh, they went past midnight talking. What is kind of unclear, at least publicly, is how close they are, because the mayor's office has been putting out these updates every day and he continues to say that they've made positive progress but the last update that we actually heard from the union was it said that there was still a big gap between the two sides there was just a little bit of info that we got a little while ago this morning and that is the school district has been informed that even if a deal happens today teachers are going to be back on the picket lines tomorrow at least for one more day so we don't know whether a deal will happen today but uh at least it seems that the teachers will be back on the picket lines tomorrow. Of course, they are not today because it is a school holiday. Any
4: movement at all? Are, are they making any progress?
7: Well, we, we'd really like to know. And at 3.30 this afternoon, the union is uh, has scheduled another news conference. Whether this is kind of perfunctory that we just get an update on how things are going or whether they have an announcement, we don't know so far. But again, these talks over the last five days have been at City Hall. And not that Mayor Garcetti has been sitting in there and directing all of them. In fact, most of the time he hasn't been there, to my knowledge, but he has other staff members that are there. But there is some sort of mediation, if you like, that there is a neutral party or a third party that's in there trying to help shepherd along these talks. Again, five straight days. We don't know how much closer they are, but they have they haven't left the table which you hear sometimes when they throw up their hands and say we're at an impasse we have nothing to talk about that they are meeting every day would seem to be a positive sign and we'll just see if if something comes out of uh, the meetings today at city hall
5: when you talk to rank and file members of the protest groups that are yeah. associated with the uh, the teachers union do you get a sense that they are optimistic or that they're getting dug in for what will be a longer period
7: they seem to, the, the ones that I've talked to seem to be willing to go as long as it takes to get their demands met. And again, one of the stories, obviously an anecdote of more than 30,000 teachers, but one of the stories that sticks out to me was on the first day that I was out there. And I, I talked with an English teacher, high school English teacher, who has, he says, 55 students in one of his classes. And he says uh, before that class every day, he has to go into the lunchroom and round up as many extra chairs as possible to put him in the class and those are that really is one of the primary reasons for the strike is that they say class sizes are just overwhelming and they need to shrink and the school district for its part is saying yeah we agree we'd like to do that but the school district just says we don't have the money to do that and i don't know if part of these negotiations they're you know constantly on the phone up to sacramento to say hey Share the love because 90 percent of the funding comes from through Sacramento. Uh, but money really is the key question. The objectives, both sides say, are similar. They want the same things. But the union just says you have the money. The school district says, no, we don't.
4: And in the meantime, the district is hemorrhaging state funding with every oh, $15 day.
7: $15 million a day. Yeah, absolutely. Every day the kids are out. It's it's about $15 million. So we are well over $100 million that the school district has lost since the strike started a week ago and each day it just keeps going
4: how many movies have the kids seen oh gosh
7: (laughs) well i would guess the number is growing because uh, attendance keeps falling every day and again they're not in school today uh with the holiday but over the last couple of days that they were in school fewer and fewer were showing up because they or their parents just didn't feel that it was worth it there are there is some instruction going on uh, a lot of times it's a school official or they do have some subs trying to manage whoever shows up. And the school district keeps tweeting out various educational things that are going on during the school day. But, yeah, a lot of the kids that I've talked to, ones who showed up or who bolted, uh, they talk about either watching videos, going to the movie theater, hanging out at restaurants, playing video games. It's been uh, you a know, very, very long vacation when you consider that they've only had one week of school since the middle of December.
4: Andrew, thank you. Appreciate it.
7: You got it, guys.
5: It's kind of a grim story because everyone that I've spoken with, and even as I spent a little time around some of these picket lines, all the passerbys, you know, you judge by the honking and sort of the support that you get. There just seems to be nothing but support for the teachers. Yeah. Everyone can understand. Everyone
4: wants there to be no 55 class sizes,
5: 55 students. I mean,
4: how are you going to learn in that environment? Conway's. the the most vocal out there
5: yeah i'd love to see conway there dropping
4: the the a-bombs
5: and and everything (laughs) i didn't think the a-bombs were necessary but you didn't but i did feel it spoke to his great support
4: he was so passionate he got kicked off the picket (laughs) line
5: yes that's a um right that was a an odd (laughs) that happened right
4: all right, coming up next, that UCLA gymnast, uh, the the viral video of her floor routine. She has quite the backstory. We'll tell you all about it when we return. Gary and Shannon, we'll check in with Gary coming up this hour as well. Mark Thompson in today. Mark Thompson in for Hoffman this week. Thank you so much.
5: Reporting for duty happily.
4: Coming up in the big one o'clock hour, children playing Fortnite are helping fuel organized crime. Yes, sir. We'll go back to the dark web when we explore that story. Also, Rebecca Jarvis, our friend at ABC News, we... Catch up with her every Monday at 1 o'clock for Market Mondays. She's got a new podcast all about the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos story. I don't know about you, Mark, but I cannot get enough of hearing about Elizabeth Holmes and how she was able to get, like, the brightest minds in this country on board her her, her make-believe product.
5: Right, and you know something? I saw that Fire Festival documentary on Netflix over the weekend, and I think there's another one on Hulu, and that's that same thing. Like, how did so many very smart people—these are— uh, VC-type people, and they're used to looking at things and deciding where their money's going to go, how do they actually support something that is just total flim-flam? So you're right. That story has intrigue, and it also is revealing, like, these people that we think are so smart just because they have a lot of money, this just in. They're not.
4: Yeah, do your homework. By the way, I'm going to watch that Fire Festival Netflix show tonight, and on Friday I think we'll di- we'll dive into all of that because it. it is so uh, super entertaining slash terrifying when you think about the influence that the influencers have.
5: Yeah, they did all the right things. They got influencers involved. We'll talk about it Friday, but it is uh, wild to see that you can just sell what is utter BS and get big money involved, and that's why that Theranos thing is going to be fun to talk to Rebecca about as well.
4: Everyone has seen it by now, that viral two-minute video of UCLA gymnast Caitlin Ohashi's captivating floor routine. She is excited. She's like Tony Romo calling a game. She is <laughs> excited. She's showing her personality. She is uh extremely talented, supremely athletic, and it is just a joy to watch. This thing has gotten more than like 900,000 retweets. She was on NBC Nightly News. Stephen Colbert has tried to mimic the routine. Uh, It's everywhere. What's not necessarily everywhere is Caitlin's backstory. Caitlin is 21. She's a senior. She was at one point an Olympic hopeful on top of the gymnastics world. She once beat Simone Biles at the American Cup in 2013. Wow. Four-time Olympic gold medalist, Simone Biles. But Caitlin had so many injuries and such pain that she decided to retire from elite-level gymnastics. She had, like, vertebrae popping out.
5: Yeah, and she was competing through all that, and it just got to be too much for her.
4: So she decides to retire, essentially, and then... UCLA's gymnastics coach gets a, a phone call. She's, she's on a recruiting trip in Texas in a hotel room, and she's trying to decide what she's going to eat for dinner, and her cell phone rings. And she says, hello? This is uh, Coach Valerie Kondo's field. And on the other line is Caitlin. And it's this little voice, and Caitlin misses it. She misses gymnastics. She misses competing. She's still in pain, but she's not ready to let it go. So it becomes like a recruiting conversation with Valerie Kondo's field kind of being borderline therapist slash recruiter. Nick Saban couldn't do that. I'll tell you that right now. So she decides to go to UCLA. But she's still tentative and she's afraid to succeed. They were having a meeting during her freshman year, and there's a sports psychologist there. And they say uh, for every gymnast to go around the room and to share, what's the greatest obstacle keeping you from success? And she said in front of her whole team and the coaching staff, I just don't want to be great again. She was equating greatness with that pain.
5: Oh, wow. That's really revealing.
4: She grew up in Seattle, three brothers. Her dad worked for a utility company. Her mom coached various sports. And then when she starts showing promise, like happens in so many of these Olympic ho- hopeful households, they move to Kansas City or they'll move to Iowa or whatever. Where yeah, where the have... best coaches are. Yeah. Yeah. So they did that. And um, she made the junior national team when she was 12 and spent years competing at this elite level. But she calls it, she calls all of that toxic, toxic environment, a lot of body shaming. She said that she was told she looked like she swallowed an elephant or a pig, whichever was more fitting that day. She says, I was compared to a bird that was too fat to lift itself off the ground.
5: There are tremendous pressures I'd heard in that gymnastics world, also in figure skating. Those two sports have a lot of body-shaming aspects to the training and, and to the ramp-up to competition. It's heartbreaking to hear it, you know, because they are young girls most of the time who are sacrificing so much already, and to to hear their that their self-esteem is damaged that way, I, I find it just heartbreaking.
4: Especially in those formative years, because then you're screwed in your mind for, for good for a long time. She writes a blog now about body um, uh, acceptance, I guess it would be, with another um, woman there at UCLA. So she clearly still puts a lot of time into accepting her body because of all those years when she was told it wasn't going to be acceptable. Yeah, Tanya Harding struggled with that, remember?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think anybody associated with this entire world struggles with it. They just may not want to talk about it. All right, coming up next. It is, by the way, just uh, as we wrap that story up, though, it is great that she dropped out. She got back in. She's clearly now surrounded by a more nurturing environment. And because of this viral video, she's able to tell the story. And as you say, have the blog. She's writing poetry. There are a lot of things associated now with a new beginning for her. And she can sort of get into gymnastics in a way that is just fun for her.
4: And I love the, the the story about the coach, Valerie, who, when she came over to UCLA, she didn't even talk to her about gymnastics for, like, weeks. They would just go and get a coffee or lunch or whatever, and she would talk to her about life and all of that. It wouldn't even bring up gymnastics because she was trying to, to – step so carefully around the the landmines going on in that young girl's mind.
5: It's what you hope for a coach, that you help build a complete person. These coaches are such critical figures in these young athletes' lives. You want to create an entire individual, not someone who just plays tennis, not someone who just ice skates, not someone who just is a gymnast. And so, as you say, clearly that coach and that figure is just that person who is looking to build the complete individual.
4: Yes, they're not all Urban Myers. There are good people out there in the collegiate coaching world. All right, we will go to the uh, professional baseball world when we come back.
5: <laughs> uh, Gary, well, that's a loose. Well, I yeah. guess it is professional baseball. All right. I'm all taking
4: right. some liberties here. Uh, Gary posted a picture from fantasy baseball camp this morning, and his wife wrote, uh, I think he secretly wants to get drafted. I hope not
5: because that's keep it a secret. Yeah,
4: that's not. I, I hope he doesn't have that expectation. We'll find out what those expectations are when we come back. Gary and Shannon, Mark Thompson in with me today. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Mark Thompson in with me today coming up. After Amy's news at the top, we've got jam-packed Terror in the Skies
5: segment for you. Pretty in- pretty interesting, actually, you Terror in the Skies. You
4: not believe Bizarre, what this maybe. stewardess was asked to do for this yeah. passenger. That's above and beyond.
5: Yeah, and above and below. Yes.
4: <laughs> but Mark is here because Gary has left us for professional baseball. Yeah, he's following his dream. Today.
5: <laughs> oh, Gary.
4: Following your dream—it's never too late to be what you might have been, Gary.
5: Or is it, Gary? Uh, Tell us. No, it's—it's very much
0: too late. Uh, (laughs) Very much too late.
4: Okay, walk us through it.
0: Well, I love how producer Nick uh, talks to me on the phone like he's never talked to me before. Okay, we're going to be on in about one minute. Now stand by—you'll hear Mark and uh, you'll hear Mark and Shannon talking. I was kidding. Uh huh.
3: Uh huh.
0: Okay, so here's here's how it goes. Last night, uh, get to Scottsdale, we meet everybody who's going to be in the camp. There's about a hundred of us here. Um, maybe two thirds of them, a little less than that, are veterans, which means they've done it before, and the rest of us are rookies. And today, all we've done is um, we took pictures in our uniforms. Um, We did some drills with some of the coaches who are all professional, uh, former professional players. A little bit later, we're going to do just an afternoon, sort of a batting practice, live batting practice session, so that all the coaches get to see all of the campers and what it is that they can do. They while themselves away into a little room somewhere while we go to dinner, they draft their teams. And then later tonight, they announce what the teams are going to be for the rest of the
5: week. Oh, that's cool! I think it's kind of a sweat then over dinner, isn't it?
0: It can be terrifying. Uh, yes, that's
5: probably one way to put it. <laughs> so, the thing you, is,
4: you got your picture this, taken? Is it for like a baseball card, or was it a group picture?
0: Um, today's was well. Today we took a, a picture with all of the coaches, so it's me sitting in the middle of sixteen coaches, and then uh, an individual shot, which I will make into a baseball card if you like.
1: Are you holding then, a bat? Uh,
0: I am holding a bat, yes. Got it. Uh, and for those of you who know the old Billy Ripken uh, baseball card, it does not say that on the butt of the bat. Anyway, um, but in our, I did post on the Gary and Shannon Instagram what I saw when I walked into the clubhouse this morning, which is my locker, my name, and my jerseys. So there's two of them with my name stitched across the back. of it. Pretty damn cool.
4: That is cool. I can hear you smiling right now.
0: No, you can't. Yes, you know, I the, can. The wind blowing. That's
4: not me smiling. <laughs> uh, so tell me about the competition, because if you don't come back with an award, you're not allowed back. I hard. told you, I, I don't need you to win the hitting award. That's very difficult. You gotta, you gotta get up to speed with with how quick those pitches come. But but I'm I'm expecting some sort of fielding award.
0: Well, I don't. It's hard to gauge so far. Uh, how old is everybody? I'm definitely not the youngest, but I would say I'm younger than the median age. How's that?
5: That's good. That's yeah, cool. and, uh, I like your chances now.
0: There are a handful of people here in their late 20s, so that's going to be an issue as well.
5: Are the older guys in good shape, or are they kind of towing around a little extra weight? And, you know? Well,
0: there's there's one guy who's actually a younger guy who uh, slipped on the clubhouse steps first thing this morning, so he got a nice gash on his shin. That's one down. He had to go to the trainer's room right away, so there's one down. Um and then uh, another guy twisted his knee doing uh, fly ball drills. So Good. you know, two down. Two down. I'll keep a tally. Uh,
4: <laughs> don't do any weird Tanya Harding stuff, though. I mean, we want the. Oh award, no, no, no. But, okay. No,
0: there's too many people walking around. That would be uh, it would be hard to get away with it.
4: Have you made any friends? Do you all sleep in like a dorm? What what, what is, what's that?
0: We <laughs> we have a hotel. Oh. Okay. And We all have in our individual rooms, but what the funny part is, I walked in. Last night, I drove in from home and uh, walk in, check into the hotel, and go and sit down at the bar to grab something to eat. And the guy I sit next to went to my wife's high school.
4: Oh, that's weird.
0: And graduated two years ahead of her. So just this weird—now, most everybody is from Northern California, but there are a handful of people from Georgia, Florida, Vancouver, Washington, Spokane, Washington. Um, We even have a guy here who's from Lagos, Nigeria— who is uh, at the camp. Wow, that's cool.
5: Was there yeah. a contingent of you that you like in other words when you got there you already knew a bunch of people?
0: I didn't, but all of the all of the veterans know each other. So all the veterans know and have hung out with each other before. They know everybody's personality. The coaches that, you know, these former players come in and they say, "Hey Bobby, what's going on? Hey Jimmy, how's it going?" So it's a very cool vibe so far.
5: Are the the veterans hazing you in any way? Like stealing your your Lipitor or whatever? (laughs) I (laughs) I was given a set of
0: beads that I have to wear anytime I'm not in uniform. And if I'm ever caught without my beads on, Something bad happens, but it hasn't happened to anybody yet. But they guarantee that it will happen to somebody. So I'm I'm terrified to see what that's going to happen.
1: Oh, be. that's Love
4: great. That. That's Terrific. great. Um, okay, so wait, what's on the docket today? Oh, batting so practice. Today,
0: that's what, Yeah, today's just a, a live batting practice. And the skills testing. Want. Basically. um, But they tell, you know, since everybody here is not in shape for this, they were telling everybody all morning long, go slower than you think you go. So we can tell talent. If you've got it, we'll see it. You do not go slower.
4: It is all gas. No brakes. You do not let up. (laughs) I won an award. (laughs) Do not let up. You have been training for this for months. That's what those rotator cuff exercises were for
0: today. Uh, Today has been totally stealthy. I've been totally quiet. Just I'm just it depends on who the coach is or who my coaches will be, uh, which personality they get for the rest of the week.
5: Are there people there, I have to say, Gary, I think if I were doing it, I'd love the pictures and, you know, just a couple of light workouts, but I wouldn't really be looking to really compete in any way. You know, I'm different than you that way. I'm wondering if there's anybody else who sort of falls into that category of, like, that guy seems like he's just here for, you know, like a couple of cocktails and some photos.
0: (laughs) To be honest, to be honest, the majority of the veterans said last night, we kind of all went around and introduced ourselves really quickly, and the veterans' message to those of us who are rookies was, you may have come here for the baseball, but you'll come back because of the friends that you made.
3: Ah, there
0: Tear. you go. Tear. Yeah, yeah I know. It should, should be written on a card somewhere.
4: All right. Clear eyes, full hearts.
0: Can't lose, baby. Can't you go lose. get
4: You go get us an award. We'll check in with you tomorrow in your sore muscles. Bring
0: it home, Hoffman. <laughs> Bring right, it all right. home. All right. home
4: all right. We'll talk trending when we come back. Gary and Shannon getting a lot of compliments about Mark Thompson sitting in today. Everyone loves right? everyone loves Mark Thompson.
5: That's a relief, man. I hate these filling things where you know they go, where, where's, where's Gary? You know, I just <laughs> I always fear that. But it's a it's really a pleasure and an honor to be here. I I love the show and it's really cool to sit in for a week. So tell us uh,
4: about the podcast.
5: The podcast is called The Edge with Mark Thompson. You can find it on the iHeartRadio app. It's also at a Website called Edge showcom The Edge with Mark Thompson, and this week we have the uh, new voice of Donald Trump from Family Guy, uh, and he's—it's a very funny show. And uh, Jay Elvis Weinstein, who's my sidekick, my regular sidekick, is uh, the—he uh, was actually the original voice of Servo on that Mystery Science Theater three thousand, and he's very funny. He's a documentary filmmaker and a comic. And he's great. Anyway, please check that's, it out.
4: That's a lot of talent right there. He's a voices he, documentaries.
5: He's way, and the two of them together on this particular episode, it's a it's a great run. So check it out. We do some politics at the beginning, but uh, if you're not into politics, then I'd skip ahead past the politics. And there's a uh, a whole conversation waiting for you. It's called the Edge with Mark Thompson. Thank you, Shannon, for mentioning
4: there it. There you go. What else is going on, Blake?
5: Time for what's happening.
4: What's the methodical yet boring New England Patriots are headed back to the Super Bowl for the fifth time in eight years. I do not hate the Patriots. I uh, I like people who do their jobs well. And that was they, not a
5: boring game. It, either. Was,
4: uh, it was an amazing championship Sunday. It was incredible. Both games going into overtime. The Rams head to the Super Bowl with an asterisk, a P.I. sized asterisk next to their name. Unfortunately, Saints fans just completely robbed on that call.
5: Well, there was a blatant interference penalty that wasn't called and helmet to helmet. And it was uh, inside the five and it uh, forced a field goal instead of a touchdown. But as I've said earlier, and I just reiterate, uh, I obviously was rooting for the Rams. But so maybe you're going to view this comment in that light. But. Let's face it. The Saints had chances to put that game away. They led much much of the way. They had the lead in their home stadium, and they didn't come away with it. In other words, there were plenty of chances for the Saints beyond that one play. And as Shannon mentioned before, look, these games don't come down to one play like that. So I get it. That was pivotal. But the Saints should have put that game away sooner. You
4: know, we can agree to disagree, Mark. We don't have to agree on everything. You were you were calling the Rams us this morning in, in the office. You were referring to <laughs> us. We. Uh, you can root for the Rams. I, I don't need to, to be there for that. I will, I will rep the Patriots 100% here. All right. When, and we can just agree to disagree.
5: Well, I as we'll I told you before. Gets.
4: We'll see how ugly it gets, you know.
5: I like a 41-year-old quarterback. I'm just, <laughs> I am just like anybody on the field who's 41.
4: Hey, something cool to tell you about, football-related, you can go to KFIAM640.com for your chance to win the L.A. Chargers' ultimate fan experience at this year's Pro Bowl game in Orlando. Coach Lynn is going to be there, the whole coaching staff there with the AFC League high seven Pro Bowl players for the Chargers. Your L.A. Chargers Pro Bowl experience includes two VIP tickets to the game and the AFC fan section, access to the AFC and NFC practices, tickets to the Pro Bowl skills competition, air travel, hotel accommodations, and Chargers gear. Log on to KFIAM640.com. For your chance to
5: win. That sounds great. It does sound like a
4: lot of fun, huh? Yes. That's the kind of fantasy camp I'd go to. Yeah,
5: Gary's at the thing where you're actually having to do so stuff. Work in their hard. Batting practice, and then, you know, I'm sure they've got grounder drills and they all could that go stuff.
4: go to the Pro Bowl and have a couple of martinis. I love it.
5: I would only do batting practice if I could hold a martini while doing
4: it. <laughs> all right. Kamala Harris, going to run for president in 2020, released a brief video this morning. Talking about supporters and joining with her to, quoting here, claim our future. She threw a bunch of words together, justice, decency, equality, freedom, democracy, saying those are not just words. They're the values we as Americans cherish, and they're all on the line now. Now, you you mentioned earlier that she's a very plain speaking person, which should play well in, in America right now, considering how well Trump's been doing with plain speaking. But she didn't do it on that video. She no, sounded like a politician.
5: I agree. and And I think this is the danger that so many people who are plain speakers can run up against when they get into politics. And that is that you become managed by teams that tell you, no, don't say this. Don't say that. This is our message. Stay on message. They literally give you verbiage. Now, I think Kamala Harris will push back against that. I don't think... She will succumb to that. At least that's the way I'd handicap it right now. But you're right, Shannon. I mean, that spot does seem to be... Look, I get justice, decency, equality, freedom, democracy are important words. But that spot does seem to have a, a kind of commercial aspect to it that doesn't doesn't necessarily play to that authenticity I'm talking about.
4: We'll talk all about it. It is a very crowded field on the Democratic side of the ticket. Uh, we'll talk about it coming up in Swamp Watch In about 20 minutes, the president made a brief unannounced visit to the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial on the National Mall today. He laid a wreath this morning at the foot of the memorial alongside Vice President Mike Pence. A great day, he said. A beautiful day. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. That's what he told reporters as he stood before that very large statue of Dr. King. Democrats taking the opportunity today to fan themselves across the country at different Martin Luther King Jr. events. Uh, going after the president, talking about how he's racist, I believe was what Bernie Sanders said today when he made his appearance. Have you seen this video over the weekend of uh, a kid shouting down a Native American veteran?
5: It was unreal. He was. Co- it was a collection of these kids who were shouting and jumping as this Native American was there at the Lincoln Memorial. It was. It was really reprehensible. I, I mean, I don't mean to sound like, but. Look, I don't think you can look at that video and in any way be sympathetic to these uh, these kids who were who were trying to intimidate this guy who's a Vietnam vet, a Native American, and he was there at the Lincoln Memorial doing nothing more than uh, demonstrating for indigenous people.
4: There seemed to be um, an interesting uh, amalgamation of groups there. I mean, there were the, it was the indigenous people's rally that was there. Right. These kids show up for a pro life march with their Make America Great Again hats. And then there were the Hebrew Israelites who were shouting things at the kids.
5: The Hebrew Israelites are a black group that identify themselves. You have to help me because I'm not, I think it's, they identify themselves as. Uh, coming from Israel, expats, yeah, yeah, right, but uh, but not necessarily as Jewish.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm weird... confused by it. I yeah. did I started going down the Google hole this morning, and I just didn't have the time nor the commitment. But it seems like there's three groups converged uh, at the Lincoln Memorial, and they were not all in line with each other's thinking. And of course, videos rolling, and what appears to be a very ugly confrontation is caught. But it, it just looked like a lot of insults were coming, and, and not from the veteran. And, and he did an interview on CNN, and we'll play that for you coming up. We're going to talk to Aaron Kotursky uh, about all the fallout from this because it was widespread uh, in about a half an hour. But we'll we'll play a video from the veteran who says, look, I knew I was putting myself in a dangerous space when I confronted that kid, but I just felt like it was something that I, I, I wanted to do.
5: Well, uh, I mean, if ever a guy has made a sacrifice for this country and has seen uh, his people – a force to sacrifice it's that it's the uh the guy there for indigenous people's day i guess nathan phillips is his name and uh the video went viral but as shannon says we'll get into it in a little while
4: time for another gas news and brews write it down we're headed to broxton brewery and public house this is in westwood there is a massive parking structure there so don't worry about that Come on down, grab a beer, some lunch, enjoy our pre-big game party. It will be Friday, February 1st, 10 a.m. to 2. You know the drill. Call in sick, do what you need to do, but join us. <laughs> I often recommend food poisoning, Mark, because when, you, when you tell the boss you have food poisoning, rarely is there a follow-up. That,
5: that's a good, Nobody that's
4: wants a good to point. know what you're dealing
5: with. Plus, with food poisoning, you, have to, you don't have to go, uh, I don't feel well, I'm not going to make it right. in. You know, right. it's, uh, it's a
4: bad package of romaine lettuce.
5: Yeah. Well, I'm excited that it's right down the road from me. So, as I say, I might show up for that one.
4: I would love that. I would love that. Broxton Brewery and Public House, 1099 Westwood Boulevard. Friday, February 1st. We will see you there. Coming up next, Terror in the Skies. Gary and Shannon, Mark Thompson in today. And we will also have your chance at $1,000.
1: It's been one week since you looked at me. Cocked your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get back together, come back and see me. Three days in the living room. I realized it's all my fault but couldn't tell you yesterday.
4: Gary and Shannon, your chance at $1,000.
3: Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword cash to 200, 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's cash to 200, 200.
4: And remember, you've got to answer your phone. They're going to call you, it's going to be a number you don't recognize. But you don't pick up, they move on, and your $1,000 fly away from you. You have another chance to win next hour, 20 minutes after the hour. You have a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 6.20 p.m. right here on KFI. Of course, the annual Kingdom Parade going on in South Los Angeles to honor Martin Luther King Jr. Dave Roberts is the Grand Marshal of the parade, and then they have a party at Lamert Park. Rams back in Los Angeles getting ready for Super Bowl 53. I love that video of Sean McVeigh having a get back coach coach on the uh on the sidelines yeah there. one of
5: his the assistant coaches on the Rams is literally he says charged with the entire game just trying to keep McVeigh off of the field that is because his tendency is to walk onto the field which of course is a penalty so he said it's like a dance I have to just be right behind him, and as he starts to drift off the sideline, grab him and pull him back in. Yeah,
4: physically grab his waist and bring
2: him back. I've seen some coaches where uh, they'll have, like, a handle or, like, an extra little give in their belt, and there's someone holding their belt because they'll start going forward and they just yank him on back. Or they'll just stand on the sideline, just kind of let him push at it like a police dog kind of thing.
7: It's pretty great.
4: Yeah, there's a coach uh, with the Chargers that gets everybody off gets people back, too. That's like one of his one of his responsibilities. Well, 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 I cannot believe that they called this woman a stewardess, first of all, and then asked her to perform this task on a plane.
2: Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough
3: is enough. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this money. Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI.
4: Mark, you're a global citizen. Yes? Across the pond, do they still say stewardess?
5: I don't believe so, Shannon. It's quite uh, 70s of them to call her a stewardess. We call them flight attendants now.
4: Right, but this is the Daily Mail, and right there in the headline, it says uh, the the stewardess.
5: Well, maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) 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 It has been known to happen.
4: (laughs) No. Well, do you know how many – do you know how to weigh things across the pond? Like when I see 31 (laughs) stones, Stones. how much is that Mm. in pounds?
2: Is a stone 8 pounds? 16 pounds? No.
7: 16 (laughs) pounds. Google it, Blake. Uh, uh, It's 14
4: pounds. 14 pounds. Uh, Nick says it's
7: 434 pounds. Got it. So this
4: gentleman is 434 pounds. Thank you Mm. for that quick math. And he – allegedly forced the flight attendants to strip him down and wipe his bottom as he, as he allegedly moaned with pleasure during a long-haul flight. Yes. This is an American, of course. No. Our finest. We could
5: tell by the weight.
4: That's true. Uh, the flight attendant said that this American made her and her colleagues undress him in the lavatory and clean his rear Asking the staff to, I don't know if I can read that. What's that? Um, asking the staff to do a better job at cleaning his rear, mm. more extensively cleaning his rear, I guess you could say.
5: Get in there a little bit uh, more. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good.
2: Yeah. This Advanced is on... spelunking, maybe.
4: Okay. This was on a flight from L.A. to Taiwan. And this woman was the chief purser
5: on the flight. And she's a lovely gal. They have a picture of her. And she, I would imagine, is somewhat traumatized by this.
4: She looks so young, too.
5: Here's the other thing that's odd about this story and about this airline. It's a, by design, a completely female cabin crew. They only employ female cabin crew members.
4: Well, I... Would have just as much of a problem with this story if she was a male flight attendant. Uh, You shouldn't have to wipe a passenger's bottom ever,
5: ever, Mark. 100% agree, but I have more of a problem because she's a woman. In other words, I don't think a woman, I think especially when you read the portion of the story that refers to him moaning in pleasure as she's doing what he asked, which was to clean his rear. (laughs) (laughs) You know,
4: <laughs> she says, I told it's hard to keep a straight face. I mean, this is hell that this girl went through. It truly is. But
5: um, she's, oh, she's we can she's, laugh angrily.
4: Yes. That's what I was doing. Yes. Uh, she says, I told him we couldn't help him, but he started yelling. He told me to go in there immediately and threatened to relieve himself on the floor. As the passenger's genitals were now exposed, one of my colleagues brought a blanket, which I used to cover his modesty. He angrily slapped my hand away, saying he didn't want it, the cover, and only wanted me to remove his underwear
5: so he could use the toilet. He threatened, you understand, if she didn't do any of this, just to like, if you're wondering how this whole situation got to this point, he said, either you help me or I'm going to the bathroom on the floor. I'm going to relieve myself on the floor. I say,
4: go for it. I would rather clean up whatever's on the floor. Then wipe his bottom.
5: And the whole situation is just disgusting.
4: It really is, Mark. The and guy is—you know—I'm sorry to, to to have you in on the show and put this in front of you because I feel
5: as though I'm being hazed right you're now. You're
4: a classy guy. After and, this, and after uh, this, everything and now will seem I feel quite like Violated your sensibilities <laughs> with the story of the stewardess that had to wipe the obese passenger.
5: But uh, so, but back to the story. She actually <laughs> did. Wipe his backside uh, wearing latex gloves.
4: Three pairs.
5: Yeah. You got to double,
4: triple bag those. That's
5: probably three too few.
4: Mm. Ladies, let me do a little PSA here. It's 2019. If you don't want to wipe somebody's bottom, you don't have to.
5: I mean, this gets, I'm guessing, into these cultural norms and wanting to uh, oh yeah help the passengers i think on uh, a flight in the u.s with a u.s flight crew i do not think they would have done it but because you're dealing with uh again this is a flight in asia isn't it where are they going again
4: they were going to taiwan from la
5: yeah so uh so this
4: is one of our own this guy he's an angelino probably yeah,
5: he's an angelino but it's a taiwanese flight crew yeah and i think it's just uh They were trying to accommodate in ways that they absolutely should not have, and they wouldn't have in the U.S.
4: No. Could you imagine a flight attendant on a Southwest plane? She would kick this guy. And he said,
5: well, yeah, I'm going to go on the floor. You know what, sir? If you go on the floor, I'm going to have you arrested when we land. And then you can go on the floor of a prison cell tonight. I'm serious. It would be a totally different conversation.
4: Tough talk. Yes. All right. Wow. That's
5: just – but come on. That, you got to admit, before we move on – is one of the more bizarre stories you've heard on an aircraft,
4: Uh, isn't it? We really search for the creme de la creme (laughs) of bad things that go on on airplanes. This one is bad, but it's probably not the worst. It's up there. I mean, it's top three.
5: I mean, come on. It's top three. Yeah, okay, thank you. All
4: right. (laughs) Swamp Watch, when we come back, Gary and Shannon, Mark Thompson in... (laughs) Shannon, Mark Thompson in for Hoffman today. Gary is at his fantasy baseball camp this week. He checked in with us in the 11 o'clock hour if you want to hear about his experience. It was picture day and batting practice later today. And then they kind of see what kind of skills you have. I'm envisioning a league of their own when all the girls are out there and they're doing all the drills to figure out who's going to play where and on what team.
5: That's right. There's a big draft apparently while the, the fantasy Ease go to dinner the coaches meet and after dinner the i guess uh lists are posted or there's oh some kind of God. announcement of who's going to what team uh, and if you look if you're into it and clearly gary is it's got to be a real thrill uh,
4: it probably makes you feel uh, young too young again yeah. you, ever, you ever try out for a team in high school and and you knew that the tryouts go on and then you know the list is going to be posted at three o'clock or whatever and Going to the gym and, and checking that list, and just the anxiety you feel, and the excitement, and all of that—it just brings it all back.
5: Yeah. Plus, him being one of the younger members of the whole crew kind of guarantees him maybe a place on the roster in a way that so he doesn't quite have to sweat it the way some of the others might.
4: Yeah. Well, hope hopefully he will put on a good show for them.
5: Yeah. All I'll right. have a week of experiences to refer to us later.
1: Swamp watch. Drain the swamp. We're gonna drain the swamp of Washington. We're gonna have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp launch.
4: The uh, Washington Post did an article where they tracked down a bunch of people who who voted for President Trump, and they wanted to find out how this government shutdown is playing among parts of Trump's base. This base has been one of the most enduring strengths of his presidency, but it looks like the shutdown has caused skittishness, as they say. It's a new uh, PBS NPR NewsHour Marist poll. It was conducted last week. It found that his net approval rating had dropped seven points since December. And one of the biggest drops came from suburban men, whose approval rating of Trump fell about 18 percentage points. Evangelicals and Republicans also dipped by smaller margins. Among men without a college degree, the downward change was about seven points. They talked to one guy, Jeremiah Wilburn. He's 45, he's an operating engineer. He was at Walmart looking for a new pair of coveralls. <laughs> I love the picture they paint.
5: Right. I like the detail. I feel but... like
4: I'm in that Walmart right now. Yes.
5: Thank you for that.
4: They say after, uh, like many voters in this in this area, after siding twice in the elections with Obama, he decided to gamble with Trump in 2016. And he's been pleased for the past two years with the economy, uh, jobs, wages seem stable. And then the, the shutdown happened. And he says, I was doing fine with him until the government shut down. It's ridiculous. You're not going to get the wall built for $5 billion. Mexico's not paying for it. We all know that, too. And it's starting to pe- turn people like me away. Because the optics of the shutdown are that this president owned it because he said he owned it. And I think to your point earlier, Mark, $5 billion is not going to be the entire price tag. And if they can't agree on $5.7 billion now we're going to have it's going to be like the high speed train we're going to have like a half built shell of a wall at some parts of the border
5: oh it's a it it seems as though it's a an idea that's listing horribly and the truth is that there was already a proposal that was passed it included border security it did include money for structures and for fencing along the southern border and it was approved by both houses so the president literally just had to sign it Increasingly, it looks as though he caved to what he saw as various flack he would take from pundits. You know, he was taking a lot of grief about caving on the wall and once again signing a, a budget that would not provide for the wall that he would promised. And so he's dug in more than ever, and it doesn't appear that there's any wiggle room. And, and we talked about early, earlier in detail all the different agencies that are closed down. But I mean, there is research that's closed down. Most of NASA's closed down. These are people who are being told don't come to work. Uh, FDA. I think was it nine different cabinet posts uh, are essentially heading agencies that essentially are closed during this government shutdown.
4: He offered some sort of compromise is how he packaged it over the weekend with some protections for for DACA, DACA members. And these were the same protections that I believe he rolled back when he took office. So the Democrats didn't see this as any sort of compromise. They already had these protections in place um, before before he took office. And they actually did not even want to hear any details of of the plan, of the alleged compromise over the weekend. Before he even came out with his comments, they said this is a non-starter. And then you've got the the Ann Coulter's of the world that heard protection for DACA and thought amnesty, and oh no, we voted for Trump, not Jeb Bush. What do you? Why is amnesty on the table?
5: Yeah, that's something that he's had to make very clear. He, it's been a priority of his in the last news cycle, in the last day or so, to say I'm not talking about amnesty. I'm just talking about a temporary status for DACA recipients. And as you say, that was these are people who already had temporary status, but you saw it rolled back when this administration took power.
4: Well, Democrats are using Martin Luther King Jr. Day to honor him and get some national notoriety. Kamala Harris declaring in for the 2020 presidential election. Bernie Sanders was out and about calling the president a racist. It looks like Michael Bloomberg was at an event in Washington where he's toting the message of politicians not giving a damn about victims of gun violence.
5: Yeah, they they really do hit all of the the various tabs that are associated with the democratic platform and democratic positions, but I'll say this for Bernie Sanders. He's the one guy who just throws fireballs at Donald Trump. I mean, he really does call out the administration in a way that you don't hear other members of the Democratic Party doing, at least those who are presidential hopefuls, you know. I still think there's sort of a uh, somewhat circumspect approach to this, uh, the the bid for the presidency. Uh, I, specifically, I'm talking about Kamala Harris and Bloomberg and the like. They have their issues, don't get me wrong. But when it comes to just throwing heat, Sanders does it.
4: You need somebody like that. You need somebody that's going to throw heat, even if they won't be a legitimate candidate and— It looks like there's 22 people in this Democratic field that that is going to be a very crowded place to be. And like you said, they're checking off all the boxes in terms of platform topics of of, we've got a racist president and gun violence and diversity. And, you know, they need to figure out how they're going to get on the same page and not cannibalize each other in the party. Well, there will be splitting. Yeah. The message
5: there will be some cannibalizing done, but uh, I think that you know the question is it has to be survivable you 're right you can 't dirty the other candidate up to the point that they 're not viable any longer. I should just mention there 's a a real uh likely chance that they're going to use the nuclear option now in terms of Senate confirmation of Trump appointees and nominees. Uh, And and that's going to have that's also happening here in the background. So here on MLK Day, when all of these things are going on and their Democratic hopefuls coming forward and there's a presidential election that appears to be kind of getting on the runway. Well, there is still a lot of policy being put in place. And as you know, a top priority has been getting confirmations of judges to lifetime appointments. That was Mitch McConnell's priority. Yes. And that's what what Trump sort of farmed that out. And that may be done now. In a with the nuclear option way. That would allow them to cut the debate time on nominees. So all they'd need is to have at least 50 votes. That could speed up what has already been a pretty quick process. I mean, that's one big thing they've done. It's gotten a lot of judges uh, appointed.
4: Mitch McConnell is a genius when it comes to getting that done.
5: That's right. And he was a genius in a holding up. I mean, you either call him a genius or an evil genius in terms of yeah, holding up the Obama uh, appointment, oh, the yeah, Merrick, Garland Merrick Garland Supreme Court seat. Mm-hmm.
4: And pushing through Kavanaugh that's right as well um, yeah, it's anyways, it, so there's it's a lot going be,
5: on uh, uh, yeah there's uh, this is going to be an interesting couple of years It's be- just
4: going to be a fight and and digging in heels and trying to stop each each other from getting anything done it's It's going to be a mess, but I'm excited I've got February seventh marked in on my calendar uh, get some popcorn and get ready for those Michael Cohen testimony days. That is going to be rich.
5: That's going to be very well watched, what very a well monitored. That
4: guy is Ugh. look.
5: That was a dirty world, and that world of high end New York real estate yes. is a dirty oh, world. Man. And people in other parts of the country weren't aware of that. New Yorkers knew. New Yorkers saw the deals that were being made in that world of Trump, and they saw him. You could talk to John Cobelt about this. John John was uh, in Atlantic City when when Trump was putting up his first casino. He can tell you some of the some of the backroom stuff. It's a dirty business. And so you get a guy like Michael Cohen. What other president had a fixer? I know. I and mean, we talk about oh, Michael Cohen, the president's fixer. Yeah, well we, uh, we just we speak about it like Kennedy, everybody has a fixer. Kennedy
4: probably had a fixer. <laughs>
5: right. You're right. Kennedy probably did have a fixer.
4: <laughs> All right, coming up next, we will dive into that viral video that shows a fight between some high school students, a Native American veteran, and the Hebrew Israelites? I don't know. America 2019 Gary and Shannon KFI AM 640 Mark Thompson in for Gary today I know
1: I can treat you better than he can and any girl like you deserves a gentleman
3: tell me why are we Gary and Shannon
4: Mark Thompson in for Hoffman to today and this video was everywhere over the weekend. Tension between a Native American veteran, some high school students in Make America Great hats, and uh, the Hebrew Israelites uh, throwing some comments around as well. This was a video shot at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington. Aaron Katersky joins us now with all the details. Aaron, please walk us through what happened.
8: So it was on the, the base of the Lincoln Memorial where there, there was a confrontation that um, was depicted in a viral video that that appeared to show a high school student in a "Make America Great Again" hat, perhaps uh, d- doing something or saying something disparaging about Native Americans, and and it turned out that in looking at um, a couple of hours actually worth of footage from. Um, that proceeded and, and then um, came after the, the video that went viral, we figured out there was a, a bit more to the story, that, that it was a, a confrontation that involved three distinct groups of people, including the black Israelites, which is basically a hate group, uh, maybe egging on the students from Covington Catholic High School in Kentucky, and also uh, this group of Native American demonstrators.
5: How, how, are they, how are they being egged on? That's interesting, Aaron, that you say that well I, I
8: you know the uh, this group of black Israelites was calling the the high school students future school shooters and then saying some derogatory things about Native Americans and the you know, what what initially to many looked at like looked like a confrontation involving the student and the Native American seems to have unfolded differently, where the Native American drummer that you see depicted in the video, uh, a retired service member uh, said that he he stepped in to try and keep things calm and the the main high school student that you see a guy named Nick Sandman said he reacted uh, passively and and kept no expression fearing that, that anything that he said or did or looked uh, could have inflamed tensions
4: Here is uh, Nathan Phillips being interviewed about taking that stance with the drum
0: I, I realized I had put myself in a really dangerous situation you know there's like here's a group of people who were angry
3: at somebody else. And I put myself in front of that.
4: It seemed like three different causes going on that kind of converged at the wrong spot at the wrong
8: time. Yeah. I mean, it's not a great look for anyone, um, you know, because the the, the black Israelites are, are, you know, known to be kind of insightful like this. And, I guess you could say you could walk away, you you know, that you're at the base of the Lincoln Memorial right after the March for Life. Like nothing good comes from just kind of standing there. But um, but then again, it it, it wasn't the way it was initially depicted, where the the high school student was seemingly coming at the Native Americans. You know, the high school student in the Make America Great Again hat.
4: Makes me feel better about the story, knowing uh, the the complete picture there. Yeah,
8: better. But also, you know, it isn't. It's not wonderful that these kinds of confrontations no. are happening at the bases of, of our national monuments, but um, I suppose better that it isn't as initially suspected.
5: Was yeah. the Right to Life march going on at that same time, or they were just in town for it? Well, they were in town for it. right? So, so, so they're and, there at the Lincoln Memorial just... Touring, or you know, just hanging guess, out. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So this, so that was what was going on, Shannon. It's not like they were all there for three different causes. They were all there in Washington for three different things, but there wasn't; those three things weren't going on simultaneously. Okay,
4: gotcha. All right, that makes more sense. Okay, Aaron, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. You got it. <SR> Coming up next, she was called the next Steve Jobs, the youngest self-made female billionaire, called a unicorn up in Silicon Valley, Elizabeth Holmes. And this technology that she said was going to revolutionize health care. She was a scammer. Our Rebecca Jarvis did a three-year investigation into Elizabeth Holmes. She joins us when we come back after Amy's News. Also, your chance at $1,000 coming up on Gary and Shannon. Shannon. Mark Thompson in for Gary today. There is fallout across the pond still over that accident Prince Philip was involved in. The police have spoke to him about this accident. The woman that was involved in another car is talking to anyone who will listen about how her injuries are not just something to sweep under the rug and that the palace is never called to apologize to her. She wants prosecution. Yeah. She wants to put Prince Philip in the clink. He's 97. He should not be driving.
5: I think it's time to maybe wrap it up.
4: Yeah. Get a driver. I mean, if you could have a driver right now, wouldn't you have a driver? Oh,
5: my goodness, I would most certainly.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
5: And I would like a royal driver.
4: (laughs) You have good accents. I enjoy those. Thank you, Donna. I'm so fascinated. I am reading everything. I have read everything I can about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos because I don't understand how some of the brightest minds in this country were hook, line, and sinker for this technology that seemed like it didn't exist. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes was a startup Silicon Valley superstar, youngest self-made female billionaire, and she was able to dupe a bunch of people, like I said, the brightest minds in this country. Our friend, Rebecca Jarvis, has spent three years investigating Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, and how this whole thing went down, and she joins us now. Rebecca, how are you?
6: Hi, Shannon. Great to hear from you. How are you?
4: Thank you. you. Too. I didn't know you were working on this. I, I mean, this is fascinating.
6: It's, it is a fascinating story. And what's interesting is, so I first learned about this story. I was working on a series about rising healthcare costs. It was an investigation for ABC News. And Theranos was pitched to me as the antidote, as the solution to rising health care costs. Now, again, this is three years ago, back when Every single magazine was covering Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, Her technology, Theranos Wellness Centers, were finding their way into Walgreens storefronts, uh, many of them in California, some of them in Arizona. Um, They had plans to roll out to all 8,000 Walgreens stores. And it all came crashing down. As you said, she was this famous Stanford dropout, left Stanford at 19 years old to create her company, Theranos. It was supposed to change the world with the finger stick technology, which was supposed to basically be your way of getting your blood drawn painlessly. few drops of blood from your fingers, uh, from your fingertip, instead of having to do the venous draws that anyone who's had their blood drawn I mean, I, I've had my blood drawn a lot of times. You go into those with some dread every time, no matter how many times you get it, and it would have been a game changer had it all worked.
5: Well, and she was able to, you know, as you correctly say, she was a phenom at 19. She was able to boost the valuation to $10 billion at, at one point, and her 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 ability to, as Shannon says, bring in all of these venture cap firms for right. for those insane eva- valuations, how did that happen?
6: So what's really interesting, one of the people that we feature in my podcast, it's called The Dropout, first episode, January 23rd. You can subscribe to it right now wherever you're listening to podcasts. It's on Apple. If you have an iPhone, you can just go in, search the little purple app that says podcast for The Dropout, and you'll find it, and you can listen to the trailer. One of the things she did very well, uh, and I spoke to a number of people about this and one attorney, uh, who is now suing her on behalf of investors, is what's called affinity fraud. So he and this this guy, this lawyer, also went up against another one in court by the name of Bernie Madoff. And he says that they're very similar people. They surrounded themselves with groups of people that validated who they were. So, for example, on her board of directors, Henry Kissinger, the most famous secretary of state of all time, George Shultz. Marine Corps General James Mattis, now the former Secretary of Defense to President Trump, he actually, James Mattis, was left the board of Theranos to go join President Trump at the time. Uh, So so it's an amazing thing that she was able to bring together these brilliant
4: people. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated by that because, you know, she drops out of college. She's young. I mean, I know you interview so many confident, powerful women on No Limits podcast, um, but this level of confidence to me is is next level. Uh, to have the yeah. the cojones to get those names into in to I don't know if it's manipulation or charm or, or what was it. Well,
6: I think. One thing I will be very interested to hear from people as they listen to this podcast is what they think about that, the answer to that question. Because for the first time, what we have are the deposition tapes of her having to answer all of these questions under oath, actually having to face off with the SEC and the government over so many claims that were made over the course of her career, and also— over how this whole thing came together, how people like Henry Kissinger were brought to the table, how, I mean, the investors, we we only talk about the board, the the people who actually put millions of dollars in, these were some savvy people as well. Rupert Murdoch, one of the biggest investors, put over $100 million into the company. Bob Kraft, who's going to the Super Bowl, he put money in this company. Uh, Owner of the New England Patriots, he put money into this company as well. They're they're at least among a lot of those types that ended up really putting a lot of their wealth on the line. I um, I, I get they, that
4: like uh, sorry yeah. sorry Rebecca. I go get ahead, go ahead. I I totally get wanting to fund a project like this that could end up changing the way healthcare is done in this country and and everywhere else. Um because it would be such a big money maker. But what I don't right. get is there was never any evidence that the technology existed. Like, didn't she have to show her math at any point? I think she point? phonied
5: up some stuff, didn't she, Rebecca?
6: Well, we do have we do have some some parts of this uh, parts of this investigation that point to that. There's there's an individual um, that you'll hear from who is on the Walgreens team who was looking at the technology and his accounts of what he saw in those meetings in those closed door meetings which were bizarre by the way i mean he went this one of the very first meetings with walgreens they all get to Theranos headquarters, the CFO, and a number of other Walgreens executives. And they're there to basically kick the tires and see the technology. And the entire thing is just pomp and circumstance. There's no actual, hey, we're going to open things up for you guys to take a look. Instead, the CFO of Walgreens is presented with an American flag that Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Belwani tell him was flown on the battlefields in Afghanistan. So you can imagine to be in these rooms with pretty smart people, but to also be wowed by this young woman who is making these mega claims and then saying things that sound kind of true. But then you just don't ever actually get to that point where you really get to see it. Now, I mean, even with the Walgreens deal, we dig much deeper into that because a lot of people, and this was one of my questions, how can Walgreens, you know, this is a company with thousands of employees. They've got storefronts all over the country, millions of customers. What really happened there? And that's something that we get into as well. What really happened behind the scenes? What did Theranos tell them? What did they ultimately see? Um, and what gave them the confidence that they could put this in front of patients? We talked to the patients who got inaccurate test results along the way. It's, it's. I think it's just a, one of the most remarkable stories I've seen in my career.
4: All right, can you hang on, Rebecca? I have more questions yeah. because okay, this, uh, this story does take a criminal twist to it. I mean, oh, yeah. she's facing some serious time in prison for this. We'll do that, and also your chance at a thousand dollars when we come back. Gary and Shannon, Mark Thompson in today and.
1: But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes, does it
4: almost feel like you've never been here before? Gary and Shannon with your chance to win $1,000
3: win a thousand dollars right now text the nationwide keyword change to 200 200 you'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio radio info standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest that's change to 200 200
4: Remember, you are going to get a phone call if you win. you got to answer your phone, even if it's from a number you don't recognize. You have another chance to win next hour, 20 minutes after the hour. Your chance to win $1,000 once an hour, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 6.20 p.m. right here on KFI. Mark uh, Thompson is in today. And, Mark, I was combing through the NFL rule book during the commercials there, Mm. and I stumbled upon Rule 17, Section 2, Article 1. Mm Mm-hmm. And it says that Roger Goodell could change the outcome of that Saints-Rams game because of that blown call.
5: Is that right?
4: Yes. It says the commissioner has the sole authority to investigate and take appropriate disciplinary and or corrective measures if any club action, non-participant interference, or calamity occurs in an NFL game when the commissioner deems it so extraordinarily unfair or outside the accepted tactics encountered in professional football that it has a major effect on the result of the game.
5: Wow. Shannon, first of all, all of Los Angeles is now saying, please, Shannon, don't mention that again. When we uh, say
4: all of Los Angeles?
5: Well, much of – Rams, Rams Nation.
4: <laughs> Rams Nation, okay. <laughs> but, uh,
5: but <laughs> That's
4: the first time I heard that.
5: <laughs> the last thing i said. then we'll go to Rebecca, but because Rebecca's got – this is a fascinating story, but I would say that when it's over, it's over at some point. Yeah. We can't – I have to sweat the last two seconds after a big play always to look for a flag – After that, I don't want to have to sweat the outcome of the game. When it's done, it's done. That's
4: true. Yes, we are talking to Rebecca Jarvis. She has taken under her wing a three-year investigation all about Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, once called the next Steve Jobs, a unicorn, I guess is what they call him in Silicon yeah. Valley. And she had technology she claimed that was going to revolutionize healthcare. And she got the brightest minds in this country on board her crazy train. And she had help, too. I mean, how much was the COO, Sunny, responsible for all the chicanery?
6: Well, I think that's going to be, again, something I really want to hear what people think because this COO, Sonny Belwani, came in in 2009 when the company was running out of money. They didn't have the money to keep going. And Elizabeth Holmes brings in this guy who is a former Lotus Microsoft executive, sold his company. He has very flashy tastes. He drives a Porsche 911 and a black Lamborghini with vanity license plates that say Vita Vici, as in Vani Vita Vici. We came, we saw, we conquered. Uh, and and Sonny comes in, as far as everyone knows, with no experience in the scientific and medical science field, and he's promptly named COO, and people are wondering, what's this guy doing around here? Because he doesn't have the background to be in the role that he's in, the number two role. And one of the things that you'll hear when you listen to the podcast are some of the reasons for why he might have been at that table. For one thing, he became Elizabeth's enforcer, according to a lot of the employees we spoke to. While Elizabeth might respond to an employee note saying things aren't working out, I I don't see things going right here, she would say something nice in return, and then Sonny would go out and have a little chat with them or send an email back. And Sonny handled things very differently than Elizabeth did.
5: The ultimate... Uh, fate of this company, uh, it was revealed as a sort of criminal enterprise, I guess you'd have to say. Take us through a little bit of what happened once these revelations about what Theranos was and the fraud that had been perpetrated
6: actually came to light. Sure. 2013 is when the very first Theranos uh, wellness centers start rolling out in Walgreens. So that's when most people started seeing and hearing about Theranos. It was also the time where um, Elizabeth Holmes started on the speaking circuit. She was interviewed by Bill Clinton. They invited Vice President Joe Biden to come take a tour of Theranos headquarters. And, most all of the reporting was glowing at this point until you started to get these little things happening inside of the company where employees were starting to reach out to regulators and starting to reach out to reporters. And eventually, a reporter at the Wall Street Journal who had been following this story for an extended period of time, decided to keep pursuing it and got in touch with one of the employees there Tyler Schultz. Tyler Schultz also happens to be the grandson of George Schultz, who was on the board at Theranos. Long story short, uh, in late 2015, that's when John Kerry Rue, the Wall Street Journal reporter, now the author of Bad Blood, which is a a great book. People should check it out if they're interested in this story. He starts publishing reports about Theranos. And it's at this time that regulators start stepping in. The SEC starts sniffing around. The DOJ starts sniffing around. They're asking Theranos questions for the first time. And it was like a total house of cards. Everything started unraveling from there. By 2016, Walgreens pulled out of the deal. Last year, you had the SEC and the DOJ bring charges of fraud. And now, today as it stands, Elizabeth settled the charges with the SEC without admitting Uh, or denying wrongdoing, but she can't be on a board. Uh, She can't work for a company for another 10 years. She paid $500,000. The much bigger thing are these DOJ criminal charges, because as it stands today, both she and Sonny Balwani face criminal charges to which they've pleaded not guilty, but they face criminal charges from the DOJ, and if convicted, they could face up to 20 years in prison.
4: And what's the talk about whether they'll face those or not?
6: Well, there are a lot of, of people who believe pretty strongly that there's a good chance that there will be some jail time in this case. Um, of course not everybody believes that the Team Theranos people are not um, on that page. And one of the interviews um, that you'll hear in one of the later podcast episodes is with Sonny Belwani's attorney, Jeff Coopersmith, who I think that that is also a very revealing conversation because people have yet to really hear from um, the defense. In this case, I mean, you've seen a statement here and there, but they have yet to do any major interviews with any news outlets. And this will be a first. And to hear it, what what it will give you a sense of is what the Sonny Bellwani, what the Elizabeth Holmes, what the Theranos case is going to be as they go up against the DOJ.
4: Wow. Great what a story.
6: We're, yeah.
4: Uh, Rebecca's uh, podcast, The Dropout. Six episode podcast available on Wednesdays. you can subscribe right now and the first episode will be uh this Wednesday, right?
6: That's right. the trailer's out right now, so go take a listen. I really appreciate your interest guys. This means a lot to me and um I hope people like it. It's been uh, the the team and I at ABC I, my producer Taylor Dunn my producer Victoria Thompson and I have spent so much time on this, and we are we we feel very excited to hear what people think about the work that we're putting out.
4: Very cool. Subscribed already, and we put a link on our webpage as well. Rebecca Jarvis, thanks so much.
6: Thank you, guys. Have a great week.
5: Talk to you soon. Yes, Rebecca. Wow. I mean, that story has it all. You oh, know, it does. I mean, it, it, it really has it all. It, it's got this 19-year-old phenom who raises a, a record amount of money. It has these luminaries, as she said, from politics and from the uh, venture capital world it, it, its its remarkable rise and spectacular fall and now criminal enterprises exposed wow
4: coming up next kids playing fortnite are fueling organized crime we'll connect the dots for you gary and shannon mark thompson in today <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Mark Thompson here. And... Yes, ma'am. Kamala Harris is running for president. Got the news this morning. Of course, it was anticipated.
5: But it is timely that you would announce it on Martin Luther King. Certainly. day. I think that, in fact, uh, I want to say Shirley Chisholm was the first... Didn't Shirley Chisholm run for president? She was the
4: 47 first. years ago, I believe. Yeah. I read this morning, yeah. She was... Uh, Yes, she's the first the, black
5: woman to run you, for president.
4: Right, right. So,
5: anyway, pra- I think that there, you know, so there are a lot of um, uh, there's a lot, lot of tips of the hat today to that history related to Kamala Harris's announcement.
4: As there should be. Yeah, the percentage of TSA airport screeners missing work has hit ten percent as the government shutdown stretches into its fifth week. This is not good for Super Bowl time at the world's busiest airport in Atlanta if you're if you've got tsa workers not coming in and uh, air traffic controller logistical meetings being canceled because of the government shutdown there's going to be a deluge of travelers into the Atlanta area and it's really an all hands on deck kind of situation and I'm just glad I'm not going to be at any part of that chaos.
5: And that could turn the bigger story, too. That could very well turn the bigger story. If there are enough TSA employees, it seems like, really, that just that one sector of the society? Yes. Yeah. Because it freezes so many things. We're not just talking about of passenger travel. I'm talking about business as well. So the, it, the failure of TSA to all step up during the shutdown essentially means that they're working without a check, of course, for yet another week. Uh, that could turn it, Shannon. This could really be the place where the public begins to respond to where the the shoe pinches on. Well, and you could know, you imagine if something happened? Down? Oh yeah, I mean,
4: forget about it. You know, and people were saying that work for TSA. It's not just they're you know they're folding their their arms at home and saying I, I'm not going to do this. I'm not getting paid. They're actually having to go make money, sure. doing other jobs. They can't afford to go to their job that they're not getting paid for. They
5: got bills <laughs> what, to pay. What are you
4: going to do? You can't really fault him for that. Fortnite. You're familiar with Fortnite at all?
5: <laughs> How could you not be? I know. I mean, is... I mean I've
4: never played it, but Neither I know that I it's know. insanity. And, and there were some some kids at LA Unified that were interviewed about the uh, the strike and what are you going to do? And there was one guy who just had like this dead voice and you could just see his dead eyes. And he said, go home, play Fortnite. You know, <laughs> and you know that this kid is probably sleeping two hours, maybe a night, and that all he does is play
5: Fortnite. I know many parents having to limit the Fortnite time that their kids spend. Really? Yeah. To how it's many hours? It's become like TV time. I know it depends on the family. You know, it depends on how good the kids doing academically, how well the kids doing academically, that sort of thing. But it is, it is like the tea, what what TV time was in the 70s or 80s, I suppose, is what yeah. this is now.
4: I remember, I remember in the 80s, my brother playing, you know, Super Mario Brothers and Mike Tyson's Punch Out and stuff for hours. Sure. Uh, it's just a new kind of addiction, I guess.
5: I uh, I have a story about, uh, I, well, we should do the t- Fortnite thing, but just got I, I really got into Donkey Kong, but the Donkey Kong, the modern version, they have a modern version, the Nintendo version, okay, I think it was Nintendo, and they sent me uh, a, because I mentioned it on the air on Good Day LA, they sent me a special hotline to call if I needed any help because I was such a Donkey Kong like enthusiasts, kind of like Fortnite, you know. And I was so into it, I wasn't leaving the house. I was going on vacation, went on ski vacations, and I would spend 11 hours playing Donkey Kong. <laughs> Honestly, it was crazy. So I got to one level of this Donkey Kong, and I couldn't get past it. So I, you know, I called the number, the hotline number, the help number that they gave me, and I, you know, I asked for, you know, Pedro, or whatever, whoever, you're some guy's name, or Paulo, <laughs> or the pa- Donkey Kong Master, Paulo or Pedro, I remember something like that. <laughs> and so Paulo comes on the line and says, "Yeah, what's the problem?" I said, "Well, you know, I'm at this thing and I'm having to, you know, jump off the bee and I can't. Every time the bee stings me, it's gone. I get in there, I got like 30 lives at the end of it, I don't have any lives." He says, "Well, just press this button, you know, press button A while you pull the joystick this way and you'll be okay." So I go back in, I press the button A and I'm pulling the joystick and it's still it's not working. So I call paulo again and i said well what's what's the story it's it's still not working he said hey man you can't get past that level uh you're probably uh you know you probably may have to stay with it or i don't know what to recommend and i said well let me just ask you this is a level near the top right he said no dude you're nowhere near the top what? You said they're like sixth graders who could blow past that level that you're stuck on. Wow. And I said, and that and I swear, I packed up the game that you day, were done. put it in the closet, yeah. and I never touched it ever. You again. thought
4: that you were one of the elite players, and <laughs> yes. that's why you got this hotline number. Exactly. I
5: thought I was one of the elite players because I couldn't get past this level that must be giving everyone fits. You were like
4: one of the ready player one guys. Yes. Uh, like the upper echelon of the gaming community. <laughs> yes. And then you realized that you were I was a trash. fifth
5: grader. Yeah. Terrible. I was awful.
4: That that is like a yeah. favorite Mark Thompson story right yeah, there.
5: Pretty bad. But so I haven't even gone near Fortnite. But uh, as it turns out, Fortnite's being used for all kinds of uh, cyber criminality and fraud of all kinds. I mean, they've it's really become a place where I guess they're laundering money. Uh, it, it Because of its popularity, I guess it's particularly vulnerable, and you do surrender credit card information along the way.
4: Yeah, it's free, but then you buy all the extras, the outfits, the weapons, other items. And what they're doing is they're buying the virtual currency that the criminals are, and then they're selling it at a discounted rate to these kids uh, and laundering the money, essentially. I mean, Uh. it's pretty brilliant.
5: Yeah, it is. And and the feds are getting involved, right? I mean, it's, it's become a, one of those dark web issues. So you've got, you know, this is cyber criminality. And because it's taking so many victims from, you know, kids with access to their parents' credit cards to older parents or older kids, if you want to think of it that way uh that it, it's it's hitting a lot of people so it becomes a a growing societal issue
4: how old were you when this donkey kong craze <laughs> happened just out of curiosity
5: no it was probably um uh well i was i mean i was on good day la so what right. was that, like 15 years ago or something probably okay yeah
4: and, would, you, and you'd go on, like, skiing vacations with, you know,
5: loved ones, love go. interests. That's right. And you would
4: hole up and play Donkey Kong for 11 hours. You'd go, well,
5: maybe I'll take a couple runs, and then I want to get back to the house. I want to, you know. It was so, I was broken. I was broken. And now I'm still broken in different ways. I love that story so much. <laughs> it's so, I, I was so humiliated, though, to learn that I was really nowhere near, an advanced level of that game. And I was just a real loser in every way. And it was reinforced by some guy on the end of an 800 number.
4: God, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Coming up next, Prince Philip is in deep S over there in, uh, in the UK because of that car crash. Yes. He's 97 years old. He flipped his Range Rover and now a woman is crying injured. And the police are asking questions.
5: And he didn't exactly respond the way you would hope a uh, royal gentleman would respond. Yeah.
4: I don't think he's a gentleman. All those affairs, rumors. Mm. Mm. All right. Gary and Shannon, Mark Thompson, the Donkey King master. <laughs> Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, <laughs> Donkey Kong. sorry.
5: <laughs> there is a documentary called King of Kong, I think. Okay. It's a great documentary, but I'm not in it.
4: But right. maybe you'll go watch it tonight.
5: <laughs> I will. Gary
4: and Shannon. Mark Thompson hanging out with me today. This has been fun.
5: Love it. Really do.
4: I really appreciate you hanging out this week.
5: Have some good times. Yeah, looking forward to the whole week. I Be
4: want great. to hear more Donkey Kong stories. <laughs> if you could just, like, actually go ahead and tell me every embarrassing story from your life. Oh, uh, we need more than a week. Uh, we <laughs> Believe me. That was a good one.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, okay, so you found this this morning. Before we get to Prince Philip and the woman that was involved with his car accident now crying the police aren't taking her seriously we'll get to all those details but you sent this to me this morning pete davidson and john Mullaney reviewing clint eastwood's new movie the mule
1: clint eastwood drives hundreds of kilos of drugs across the united states and that's not the weird part the weird part is that he is 90 and he is driving He's 90. When my grandma turned 90, we bribed the DMV to flunk her on her driving test, and they did it. Yeah. Uh, Why aren't you guys freaking out? He's old, okay? There's a scene where he's driving with like no hands, and he's like unwrapping an ice cream sandwich. He's like, singing jazz and stuff. It's insane. That's when we realized this was a superhero movie for old people (laughs) about a guy whose superpower is that he can drive unsupervised. Yeah. (laughs) And he's, like, so good that the head of the drug cartel, played by Andy Garcia... Who was rude to me at a Laker game once. Yes, I remember that. Uh, it's true. Uh, he throws the mule a party for being their best driver ever. Fulfilling another elderly grandpa fantasy that a 90-year-old white man can do any job better than a Mexican, even when the job is Mexican drug trafficking. <laughs> oh, you know, we also forgot to mention, yes. 90-year-old Clint Eastwood has two threesomes in this movie. And he directed it. Two! <laughs> understand, I've had one, I guess you probably have none, right? You are correct, sir. Right. <laughs> According to the mule, I have a solid 54 years before that window closes.
4: <laughs> so- I love that so much. Very funny. Uh, and I do love Clint Eastwood always putting himself in these badass roles, these badass movies.
5: Yeah, well, he started as a badass, but, you know, I, I don't know, time to segue maybe out of the uh, the badass threesome... You know,
4: yeah, that, that was a surprise. Thing. I didn't know that was headed our way. Yeah. That's cinematic delight. Um, so Prince Philip was in this crash.
5: Speaking of elderly drivers.
4: Yeah, 97 years old, and he's in this crash. And it's involving another woman who was apparently injured. Listen to how British this name is. Emma Fairweather. Yes. Does it get more British than well, that?
5: Emma is the strong British play always. And then Fairweather, of course, yes. certain British quality as well. She's 45.
4: She's upset. She says that uh, they're they're downplaying the gravity of her injuries and that there was a cover-up effort by police on behalf of the royals. She did an interview with the Mirror, and she says she was told by authorities not to speak to anyone following the accident and to expect a call from the palace from, from Philip or the Queen herself to offer an apology or well-wishes.
5: Yeah, I would have, if I were the palace, I would have handled this quite differently. I would have been very concerned with her well-being and, you know, sent flowers and all that sort of thing. Just try to kind of talk her off the ledge, right? But they played it just the opposite.
4: She seems to me, and I was just watching a bit of uh, footage of an interview she did on TMZ with, I guess, the Mirror. She does seem... Like she's one of those um,
5: high maintenance victim people. Oh, I, like, see. I am a victim. I, I was see.
4: wronged. I'm yeah. always wronged. And you don't want to get into a car accident with one of the victim people. You just yeah. don't.
5: That's probably true. Uh, I mean, he did hit her. It would seem he is 97. He's probably not the driver. He was, I don't know, 50 years, years ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, But I I don't know that, you know, it may not be as bad as she says, although maybe it's every bit as bad as she says.
4: Norfolk police say they are treating the collision as they would any other, and the fact that Prince Philip was involved bears no weight in how the cops have handled things. Baloney. Yeah, I don't buy That that. is grade A baloney. Of Mm. course it made a difference that Prince Philip was
5: involved. She got a voicemail from one of the Queen's ladies-in-waiting. Did she? Yeah, passing on the Queen's good wishes, apparently. And then uh, Buckingham Palace is saying that the both women in the car were contacted and well-wishes were exchanged. So th- it does sound like the Buckingham Palace folks have tried to, like, soften the blow a little bit.
4: Yeah. Well-wishes exchanged.
5: Yeah, well. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so it goes. We'll keep you updated. But meantime, I'll just say this. It looks like she's on every morning show in Britain, you know, complaining about her injury. So, oh, of course, she is. consistent with Shannon's description of her.
4: I, I look for the worst in everyone, Mark. <laughs> I learned that from John.
2: Speaking of. You never get disappointed.
4: You don't. You absolutely do not. You're pleasantly surprised most of the time.
2: Yeah, better to have low expectations. <laughs> you you end up at being happier. What's going on? Uh, it's good to see Mark again. How I know, you? John. This yeah. is terrific. This is uh, so exciting. An earlier hour of the day. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: What uh, what's happening today? Well, in the, uh... Uh, the, the, the dumb clock uh, we have as governor uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, he now wants to withhold the gas taxes unless uh, cities build housing. Okay. So he won't pave the roads unless you, you meet his uh, terms.
4: He shut down uh, everything. Yeah, and just shut down this everything. Is why you in don't this give world. gas tax
2: money to the stupid government because now he's going to hold it hostage.
4: Has he said what he's going to do with the train?
2: No, I haven't
4: seen that one way a, or the other. I don't
2: think he's a fan of the train either, though. No, he? no. he's not. Well, nobody should be. Right, nobody right. is. Even right. an idiot can see that. That's yeah. That was fact, an, We drove uh, to Northern California over the weekend, and I kept pointing out to my, my wife and my son oh this is where the train is supposed to end because as you uh, as the five goes I think just east of uh, just west of Bakersfield there's a there's a sign for a town called Shafter mm-hmm. and they have enough money to bring the rail line to Shafter and if you look around it's nothing but endless farmland I go this is where the train is going to end yes and then you go over the uh, grapevine the tachebe H- T- T- Mountains I go look at that the train is supposed to go through that mountain range They're supposed to tunnel through the Tehachapis. You think they're going to do that? Boy, you sound real
4: fun on road trips. (laughs) Oh, I, yeah. Pointing out points of interest for the trade. Yeah,
5: Dad, I know <laughs> Dad.
2: Well, otherwise it does get a little dull, Those you know, poor kids. If I see my wife's head bobbing up and down, she's about to fall asleep. Let's she, take a hey, let's take a
5: couple of calls, kids.
2: <laughs> you got to keep the energy up. <laughs> All right, John
3: and Ken coming I up love next. It.
4: We'll be back tomorrow. Oh. Stay dry, everyone.
0: Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on
3: Gary and Shannon.